I like to say, and I ASP gonna find me, because I wanna be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now, I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back, drop down, say bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, surf looks good on it. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! Get a haircut. Yes, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies, welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece award-winning surf journalist, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the plant-based punk. <laughs> That's a new Scum one. Valley's finest himself, Smivy. Hello, Smivy. And I'm joined here in the studio, as always, by my loyal co-host and friend, Vaughn Dead, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Waves Magazine, Tracks Magazine, Surfing World Magazine. Vaughn welcome to the program. Oh, hey, feeling, man. Italo! 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 Vai, Ferreira! Vai, Ferreira! Oh, I'm so stoked. And we're joined here also by our regular co-host. Uh, he's a former world number one, the Gamote, Sir Robert Bain. World champ, our very own Swillian world champ in the studio to comment on all things world titles. G'day, Thanks, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Uh, and it's all wrapped up. And I guess, uh, I mean, it just, the only question really it brings to mind, Vaughn, is, uh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Shut the front door. Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. <laughs> kidding me. Wow. wow. Are you kidding me? Oh, mate, kidding me? That was like the best finale in fucking years, man. Years and years. And I just think, first of all, before we even get into that, I'm just thinking about where the Swellians might be listening to this episode because it's not just a wrap for the surf year. It's a wrap for everyone's years, right? So Pretty much. People yep. are, uh, they might be sitting in the last traffic jam for the year heading home to have Chrissy with the family or they might be uh, heading up the coast on a drive or heading overseas or who knows what they're doing but thanks for sticking with us Swellians uh, it's been an awesome year sharing it with you guys and, and getting out on tour and doing all that sort of thing but what a year to be a surf fan hey epic epic Mate, year incredible unbelievable. I can't believe how you know you, you sit there and you you sort of you dive in and you live and you breathe it and you sort of can be hypercritical at times and all this sort of stuff. But you watch a day like the final day at Pipeline and it's hard to knock. It's, yeah. the, it's unbelievable oh, as it, a spectator mate, for sport that day with those waves and that title race. It was as good as it gets. Like it, everything come together. You know, I watch a lot of sport like cricket and, and rugby league and stuff. And just as a spectacle, as a viewing spectacle, sitting there on my couch, lunging a couple of hotties. Oh, man, it doesn't get any better. It was absolute. It was just a smorgasbord of surfing action. Uh, I was gripping. I was, I was fucking glued to the edge of my couch. And, uh, yeah, sure, it might have been the, uh, the hot, muggy conditions and the pleather and the sweat, but still, Vaughn, I was sticking. I, I couldn't peel myself off there. Yeah, I, I knew you were on the couch because we were sending each other messages all day. Where were you, Barney? Were you able to sit down and just totally gorge yourself on it? Well, I'm... T- 
I was thinking when I was, I was driving down here, I mean, you guys messaged me yesterday, said, we're doing this, bang, on. And, you know, luckily it's right around the corner from where I live. So I'm, mm. stoked, I'm fucking stoked to be here. Yes, babe. So, um, yeah. I'm like a I was going to, yeah, on the way here, I thought, fuck, I ought to throw out a disclaimer because my last couple of months has just been head down, ass up, trying to get to the end of the year with work. So I've sort of snuck in my content where I could. But, you know, back to what you said before, like it's been an incredible year of surfing and not, not just a pipe. You know, Jaws, the 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 women's tour, like mm. wave pool shit coming at us. Mm. Uh, Torrin Martin, you know, uh, our little originals movies. If I can throw that oh, in, they there. were incredible. So mate. just all this stuff coming at us. You know, you can't. We're just getting so much of it, but it's it just makes you feel good to be a surfer because it's just. Fuck, we just love what we do. The world's going to seed, but not surfing. Surfing is looking better than ever. Go to the ocean. (laughs) Everyone's going to the ocean right now. We're thinking of the fireys out there and uh, everyone who's who's currently caught up in the blaze. Oh, it's fuck. It's hell Up the RFS, up the Rural Fire Service, up the CFA, up the Country Fire Association. Um, Yeah, it's chaos in Sydney on the East Coast. Fuck, Mm. you can barely breathe here. Uh, but let's get into it, Vaughn. All right. Let's talk about the five big points from the last episode. Uh, it's been a little while, about a month. So uh, plenty has gone down. What are we kicking off with here, Smivy, as we launch into the finger buns? Yeah. Finger buns. Finger buns. Finger buns. Five. A mad goatish performance from the goat, Kelly Slater. I mean, uh, claims his third triple crown, scores a 10 at backdoor in the Pipe Masters, on his way to a semi final finish in a year and ranking of eight in the world. Ha, you kidding me. And uh, narrowly pipped by John John Florence for a spot on the Olympic team, but still, what a stellar year for the goat. Oh, mate. I was. Sort of thinking, how is this going to play out for the GOAT at Pipe? In my brain, I was going, there's nothing here but disappointment barring winning it and and getting that Olympic spot. I just couldn't see how he would finish the year feeling satisfied with anything other than, you know, that Olympic qualification. But after that Pipe Masters and seeing the way that, you know, the, like you said, the goatish stuff he was pulling off. That oh, tenet, it was mad goatish. That tenet back door is so fruit loopy. It just never ended. Oh, mate. It was so un- – it was just incredible to watch. And I felt like when he got out of the water, when he- he'd missed that Olympic spot, but he had the triple crown and um, Rosie said to him, you know, like, what are your plans for 2020? And he said, I think I'm going to have to do one more lap. I was personally just frothing. Yes. Fucking know, He's yeah. got to. He's he got to do he one more lap. He looks so good. He's he in looked- the top eight in the world. I mean, I know, yeah. Vorno, you mentioned, uh, you know, it might be uh, – a disappointing year for Slater if he wasn't able to win an event or win a title. But, you know, the guy's finished in the top 10 on the tour. This guy is breezing through the tour. Like, he's re-qualifying in a canter. Uh, Meanwhile, you know, you've got the world's best. You've got uh, guys who are less than half his age Mm. who can't keep a spot in the top 35 uh, who are, you know, in and out. Like, I I find that remarkable that he's just able to easily keep his spot on tour at 47 uh, while you've got guys in their absolute prime. Who uh, can't? We were talking to Tom Carroll down at the uh, Torquay show, and he was saying that uh, after he lost the world title at Pipeline, he just refocused his goals a bit. Uh, and he, he sort of stopped looking at that, you know, putting the whole year together and just focused on Pipe, wanting to win events that he was, he was into. And I reckon Kelly, if he 
sort of pulled it back a little bit and started looking at just events that he wanted to win uh, instead of, you know, because I think over the calendar year, he can't not look at the world title race the whole time. Yeah. But imagine what he'll do if he if he hits next year running and actually just zooms, like really zones in on a couple that he, he really wants. He's going to rattle people. Yeah. yeah. But what, I, did you, what did you make of Kelly over there, Bainey? I, I, I actually thought there was a sneaky chance he might retire. And because um, there was so much emotion around the event, there was so much going on and he had his family there and it was just, you know, a big crowd. And I thought, is he going to pull one of those goatish things where Italo wins the world title and he, he oh, overshadows the Adriano. I'm retiring. <laughs> Adriano's wave pull all over again. But, yeah, well, he was in uh, he was in career best form when it come to head fuckery, the goat. He was, uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, his skill set might have declined a touch, but uh, in terms of the mental chess match he's still an absolute grand wizard I, I i agree with you i reckon he could he could strip it back and still be top five and i still believe he can go after a title i have no doubt about mm. it he is incredible yeah um it was funny because I, I i'm pretty critical because obviously i competed against him i i just i don't want to see him fail but i I, I think... But a little is, part of you does want to see well, him a little fail. Bit, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Now, what I'm saying is... I <laughs> Anyone who surfed against him feels like that. Yeah. It's like a love-hate love relationship, you know, when mm. someone's at the, the, the top of the game. And I'm always looking for those little chinks. And we were at work the other day and we had the footage on and he got that one backdoor wave and they called a 10 and... I went, fuck, that wasn't a 10. Like, I thought it was like a 9-8 or something. And then instantly, all my workmates went, you're fucked, Baney. They went, the coloured green looks shit house on you. And I sat there and I thought, yeah, it's pretty true. The coloured green. <laughs> oh, I love it. But anyway, yeah, I think he's he's just incredible. If he tones it back a little bit, I think if he doesn't experiment with his board so much, mm. you know, and try to ride and prove things on, like, new, new models that he's doing through whatever the brand is that, that he runs, I think, He's incredible. Like at Pipe, when he rode what I thought was the right board, fuck, he, he almost looked untouchable. Mm. Like he's, yeah, I think he's just, he's got it in him to keep going. And for all us old blokes, it's like, I just want to see him go. Mm. I want to see him go into his 50s and just nail everyone. Mm. I think it's fantastic. And he was talking a lot about uh, surfing with feeling. He's really trying to get back to just surfing off pure sensation and feeling it. And I think that's kind of part of the work he's been doing with Mark Visser. Uh, yep. The West Oz kind of—is uh, he from West Oz originally? I oh, know he's a kind I of a big, Goldie guy. Goldie guy, yeah. but a, a big, big unit, big, big wave guy, like, big unit, big, big like tough strong, guy, uh, guy. And yeah, big, big into his breathing and training. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Slater's, uh, I, you know, I'm going to take a bit of credit for that. I think we should take a bit of credit for that, Vaughn, because <laughs> we had him uh, yeah. on to on the Torquay show at the start of the year, and that was something we really talked a lot about. Is uh, you know getting his confidence back. His confidence at that point was at. A, a real low point. He'd mm. just come out of the Goldie and had his worst uh, uh, finish there on record, I think, or close to it. And he was in the process of kind of getting the feeling back, just feeling it. Yeah, well, that that was the turnaround. I think uh, I don't think he he did extremely well at Bell's, but it was the, it was the start because we actually announced it as his retirement party. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> and next thing, I've got a phone call from his agent going, "Um, that is not what this is going to be called, is it?" Because <laughs> you know. Sorry, um, goat. So, um, but yeah, he. Uh, I, I felt. I feel like the only thing that would bum me out about Kelly at this stage is if he did pull a. Oh, I'm going to retire without letting the world, like doing a lap of the world where everyone knew it was his last comp. Because I feel like he spent so long being the most popular surfer in the world. Crowds swell when he's down the beach. Online audience just goes off, but half those people are kind of like 
watching it to watch him lose or, you know, to go for the underdog or like, yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's been hard for him over the years, <clears throat> especially since the, um, the Kelly Andy rivalry where he was, he was basically at, at the end of all that. He came off, you know, like the, the bad guy kind of thing, you know, mm. um, because, uh, people just started like freaking out on his whole sort of, like you said, the head fuckery. And whereas Andy was emotional and people sort of related to that more. Um, but I think if Kelly announced his retirement at the start of the year and said, this will be my last lap, that could be one of the all-time send-offs. And, and I, 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 as a surf fan, would appreciate knowing that that was coming. Yeah, I think most people would. I think he's almost you, a little bit untouchable. There, right? mm. You'd go down there. Speaking yeah. of all-time send-offs, I think we've actually got a uh, special surprise in the works for DeGoat at uh, at the Quicksilver Pro. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it under wraps it's for the, the moment. It's the Corona but, uh, Pro now on the Goldie, I think. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that one, whatever. But uh, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled for the Kellyans because they're going to be turning, they're going to be turning out in force. Uh, rumor has it. But yeah, uh, Kelly's year in general just unbelievable. I thought yeah. the finale, he was just incredible. I loved watching him, you know, serve it up. The the Jack Freestone heat was yeah so hectic. I was just going, how much? Like, I mean, Jack yeah. has really. In the last year, he's won me over a lot. I think his his personality, his natural self, is starting to shine through a lot more, and uh, his surfing is, mm. you know, obviously he's getting the the results. And I can also tell you, almost there, but geez, he threw that heat away. Oh, he couldn't mate. have done more to to just hand it to the goat. Yeah, stuff, I had stuff. and I had a. Uh, a, a brown a brown eye view of that being uh, Jack Freestone's board shorts and I uh, made that <laughs> that freckly date was clenching that side slip takeoff mate from where I was sitting was wild oh. fucking rinsed me out deluxe oh but, someone uh, in the commentary said like you know that was I was I think it was Bronny yeah he just said that was a mistake that he turned into a, a gem mm. you know yeah. he polished that turd up something sweet mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. it was a bit of turd touching cloth on the drop I can uh, tell you too Vaughn <laughs> floss my teeth after that one but um yeah no uh, Kelly just continues to amaze. I hope he, I hope he does come back next year and uh, and send it. Yeah, number four, Fem Goat for the win at Honolulu Bay, and Tyler rides back. Uh, Steph Gilmore claims the year-ending event win at Honolulu Bay, mm. and Tyler Gadzooks laying down some mental gender-neutral human hacks in the bowl at Honolulu. <laughs> Straight out of the gates, taking down title contenders and setting herself up for a tilt at the title in 2020, you'd think, Vaughn. Oh, for sure. Yeah, amazing comeback. Gee, she looks lean and fit and just pretty much ready to go. I, I was really stoked to just see her general aura of good health. Yeah. That, that's what was stoking me out more than anything. Uh, the fact that she just kept on taking, you know, spoiled world titles. I think Lakey got knocked by her, right? Yeah. That, that happened and... um. Uh, but the the women's world title race really went exactly to script. Like no surprises almost at all, but, uh, other than Carissa getting her worst result at at that event. But it was always going to be tricky for Caroline without sort of you know as soon as it starts barreling, I think she's in trouble uh, on the backhand. We we kind of talked about that, and then um, yeah, Lakey was knocked early, and I think Steph, you know had a point to prove too for not being in that in that title race where she should have been but it was a, a couple of tricky heats too wasn't there where yeah. the, the, the waves were a little bit raw they're a little, little sort of inconsistent like with the swell pulses and if you stuffed one or missed it it threw you out of rhythm and yeah so it was easy like to make one mistake from what i could see and then all of a sudden it would go pear shape for mm. you so 
in saying that, it was kind of like the girls that are smart, experienced, pounce on the opportunity, a bit like the goat. They make it happen. Yeah. Mm, remarkable contest. It literally had everything. Mm. Steph Gilmore wins. Tyler Wright's comeback is just mind-bogglingly good. Carissa Moore takes the world title at the you know spiritual home of Hawaiian women surfing, you'd mm. have to say. Um, good waves, yeah. Yeah, good waves. It was an absolute cracker. But we'll get to the uh, world title win by Riss uh, in a moment's time. Mm. But yeah. Just a fucking cracker. Yeah. Up the awesome. go. And just uh, an, an awesome year for women surfing. Uh, like, if, if you think of a few highlights, there was Carolyn Marks winning that first comp. We've talked about that a lot, but, you know, the backside, crack. Mm. It was just on. Steph Gilmore was surfing in Bali. I don't know if I saw m- much better than that this year. The 10 in the final was amazing. And, yeah, it's just sick. I How mean, good's 2020 going to be? It's going to be. The full compliment. psycho that, like, in the middle of this huge year, we've got, like, Olympic Games and, and what is that going to look like <laughs> and, and who's going to win Fully. and what is going to happen. It is so weird already, yeah. thinking forward. But, yeah, man, um, I, I guess, like, the big takeaway is that Carissa Moore has joined Lisa Anderson and... Lane and Steph and uh, maybe Wendy both. Did she get three or four? I'm not sure. But four world titles. That is monster. That yeah. is we'll so get to huge. it. We'll get to it. Number three. Billy Kemper is the undisputed king of George's jaws. And Paige <laughs> Arms is the undisputed queen. A third title for uh, Paige Arms and a fourth title for Billy Kemper. Fourth? Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah, he's won. He won two in a row. Then he came second one year, and then he won, won another two in a row. That's five, five like it's incredible monster incredible. results. Yeah, he's a beast. Actually, he's a wild I've, man, isn't he? He's like yeah, he's very yeah. focused. He's uh, mate, I I wouldn't. He's not the kind of guy I'd really want to be sharing a lineup with because I don't know uh how many how many sets you're going to be on. But uh, yeah, he's oh, I've, I've heard, absolutely jacked. I've and actually really heard. Ripping. Heard rumours that uh, a lot of the big wave fraternity hate surfing with him. Hate it. Like yeah, uh, well, he's just too too in the zone. Just a warrior. In his own world and just will basically paddle you deeper and deeper and deeper and put you know, I don't think he's putting anyone in a dangerous situation because you're in control of your own destiny when the waves are that big, but you know what I mean? If he's if he's out there, good luck getting inside him or getting that wave off him because he's just a beast. And um but then you meet him and he's just so grateful, such a awesome dude. You can't believe his good fortune that he's he's sort of turned this, you know, life growing up surfing into something that he gets to do professionally now. And oh, it's yeah, in, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. It's, it's, awesome. it's a good story, really. Mm. I think um, I I don't really know him. I've only met him a couple of times, and there was a lot of time in between. There was one time I met him on a flight when he was real young, and. Um, Someone introduced me to him, and he just seemed like a gnarly little dude. Straight away, I could look at him and go, he's like a lad. He's mm. just this gnarly little, just take anything on. He's but, got the uh, the traditional kind of lad ink, that cursive, uh, yeah, cursive sure. weird name tat on yeah. the chest. It's uh, very early noughties kind of emo. And then the other time, I was surf, surfing cloud break, and he was really nice and respectful and, you know, just, yeah. So I... Look, I just think it's incredible what he's doing, mm. you know, especially the way he's carving it out for his family and well, that's and, it. Uh, just training so hard. Yeah. Know? But talk to us about the performance because fuck me sideways. Like, it's just unbelievable that one man can have such a grip on a wave like that. You know, he's untouchable out there. It's I have four no, crowns. Are you kidding me? I think even even like you know the guys who hate seeing him paddle up the inside and stuff. The reason why they're hating it more and more is because it's just uh, it's undeniable. 
Yeah. Some of the cones he packed in that oh. in that event were mind-boggling. And, uh, you know, m- making a – I guess, like, a barrel make at Jaws at that size is pretty much – if you just get fucking shot out of it like a human cannonball, like – with a parachute on it, mm. you know, out the end and, and don't ride out of it. That's still pretty much a make at Jaws these days, right? Mm. Setting that line and what? just getting fucking lit oh, up by getting, the foam they're ball. Getting, and- they're starting to get finicky about it, though. Like, you'll you'll hear Albie Layer always blow up about makes and non-makes and mm. stuff like that. Like, it's it's evolving really fast. And those guys are, you know, they, they, they'll, for example, who was the... Uh, the one, Greg Long, was it, from the year before last? Oh, Grant Baker. Grant Baker, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, what I'm talking about. You know, like a wave of that magnitude. Yeah. If you can get to the end of a, a barrel like that, that's better than 50 fucking psycho tube makes at backdoor or whatever. Mm. Like it's the equivalent. You know, you've sure you haven't ridden out into the channel, but you've made it to the uh, it, penultimate point. It's yeah. kind of hard to put it into context, you know, because it's you, you watch it and it's unbelievable. But it's fucking even more unbelievable if you're in that situation. And it's only sometimes when they take the vision from the jet ski and you see the wind and the ripple oh. and the, you know, just even seeing Felicity Parmentier at one stage oh, struggling to get a, a life a, a wetsuit back over a new life vest, then hearing about guys that were hit along the bottom, you know, and and oh the concussion, Albie Layer oh suffered an absolute shock. How heavy the boards are, <laughs> how everything is just so. Freaking intense! Oh, like, imagine if a, if a board of that size clips you. Oh yeah, mate, it will take your fucking head off. Like, <laughs> broken, psycho. you're broken. Here's what I do. You know what Albie Layer had to say yeah, actually about his it. concussion. Uh, I got a very bad concussion from the lip or second bounce after. I'm not sure. My vest zipper broke and opened up underwater, which made it pretty hard to swim up. But luckily, I got it inflated first. I spent about ten minutes throwing up then borrowed a vest from Sean Lopez and went out to try one more. But after paddling hard over a wave, I started seeing stars again and began puking more. I figured it was time to call it. I'm still gagging on and off, but feel a little better after an ice bath. My left hip is pretty messed up, but feels just like pulled muscles. And uh, Nate Florence also, is, uh, he's got a serious shoulder injury that's going to put him out for at least a month or a couple yeah. months. So. There was some carnage. No, man, and, and you touched on it. It's not just like, you know, having the guts to turn around and paddle down these waves. It's like riding a piano down a moguls, down the moguls on the ski field, <laughs> like a black run. It's just so much chop in the face, so much going on. Uh, you remember Marky Matthews a couple of years ago, uh, early in the blew morning shoulder when out, Do- yeah. Dorian did that thing. He, he blew that shoulder out. Mm hitting the water like Ugh. you know what i mean like ah. as he went as he sort of dived Sickening. it just got his arm and just ripped it off his body and it was like that's the I kind mean, of in fairness he's built like gumby uh... <laughs> he's a chunky dude mate I, yeah but um so yeah it was just an amazing thing flick palmateer man that, that yeah. one how was that that was a that 40 footer mate that was psycho everything about it is toenails like there is nothing left to grab that board and she somehow did it. I was like, dead set, we're not worthy. I was having a <laughs> melt. Uh, ain't that swell's very own Felicity Palmateer. I That's right. Shared a few desert point cones of her uh, earlier in the year. Legend, classic chick. Uh, where's she from? Uh, Northside or no, East Coast? No, uh, West Oz. Oh, she's West Oz. Yeah, right. but um, yeah, she's a legend, right? Uh, that was just incredible. And Paige Arms, congratulations yeah, as well. That's yeah, talk to us about Paige. What do you know about her? I mean, she's the queen of Jaws, but apart from that, you don't really hear a lot about her. You don't see her surfing many other waves. Mate, I wish I knew more about her, but I, I do know that she was trailblazing before the women's event was even 
you know, an idea. She, she was out there and, and getting set waves and had a lot of respect from the Maui crew and, you know, the Walsh brothers and all that sort of stuff. So I hope she's getting paid well because well, what she's is doing thing, is the man. pinnacle of surfing in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, th- I think there's it's starting to happen. I think it's it's coming. But one thing I, w- I couldn't find anywhere was how much money did those guys win? How much did Billy and Paige win in that event? I couldn't I, find I, it. I don't know either because there is there is a lot of talk about that big wave fraternity. There's no money in it, mm. remarkably, which I think is is pathetic when you got... What, prize money as well? Uh, like, there is some, but it's it's barely enough to, uh, you know, to so raise it's, a family. There's no, nothing ra- like a normal WSL event. I don't right? think so. Uh, yeah, right. And in terms of sponsorship and just gen- general support, you know, it's, it's very difficult to raise a family uh, on the wage that these guys are pulling in unless you're in that, you know, top two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is disappointing, I think. I think, you know, for something as harrowing as what they're doing, they really deserve some danger money. It's a tricky one. It's it's like they're going to be doing it regardless, those guys, because they love it and that's what they're driven to do. Mm. But at the same time, they're especially in this situation where they're trying to make an earn or get forward or win an event or get onto the tour, they're putting their life on the line all the time. Not Not just in an event. This is every day. This is how they live their life to get to that point. And I think it, it needs to be way more catered for financially mm. in, the, in their in their purpose, um, without a doubt. Because yeah. it's just, it's next level stuff. You know, oh. it's not like just going to the gym and doing a yoga session and having a coach and learning how to do another air reverse. These guys are fucking going out into the ocean by themselves and putting their life on the line every time. I think it's... It's deserving of more than what they get. And let's just talk quickly about Russ Bjork's performance. Hang on, hang on. There's one other thing just before we get on that. You did realise that it was sponsored by CBD oil, right? Oh, the CBD oils. (laughs) It's coming. A plant-based solution. Well, I had a feeling you had a hand in that. I was going, Smithy's got to have, surely he's been having meetings, backroom meetings with Sophie Goldschmidt and the crew going, hey, 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 there's this whole market of of money just sitting there if you want to get into the CBD oils. I love it. I love it that they're pushing the uh, plant-based potions. I'm oiled up most days and... yeah, it's great, mate. It's it's great for so many different well, wait, wait. ailments. Did you, yeah, have you heard? G-Land, sponsored by the uh, Smoke the Toad Pro. It's oh, the Sonoran <laughs> Desert Pro? You kidding me? Wow. <laughs> that'll be... Uh, uh, That'll be worth seeing. Yeah, yeah don't I'll, miss that one. Yeah, it'll be all sorts of uh, unreal sponsorships. Back to the glory days of surfing when uh, all those sponsorships were happening, they just weren't talked about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ditch the booze and Siggy sponsors and get the uh, get the Toad and CBD and <laughs> psilocybin sponsors. I'm psyched. I, it's uh, a uh, brave new world. But yeah, let, I just want to talk about Russ Bjork because I know, it. Bainey, you've got a, a special relationship with him and he basically opened the account. On uh, day one, by How nearly getting his fucking head taken off. That was wild. Can you imagine if that lip hit him in the head? Mate, he, he headless. He is dead set. He, 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 I don't know. When I was watching it, it looked like I was watching the Grim Reaper from uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey just fly down the face <laughs> of that thing. I was like, holy moly, this guy is like taking it on. Uh, as we knew he would, yeah. but how do you feel when you see that? Because you knew that kid when he was just a, a speck, mate. Yeah, well, we obviously with O'Neill, we've looked after him for for mm. quite a long time as far as the sponsorship goes, and to the word the journey, you know, to watch his journey as a as a person and as a surfer is incredible. Um, we surfed, went down with my son and a few other of the young blokes, and we we surfed down the coast with Russ the other week, um, just before all this happened. And he was um, looking forward to going to the Surfer Pole Awards, obviously, because he got nominated that's for, right. for the movie. He ended up winning a Heavy Water Award, yeah, which that's was incredible, awesome. you know, for a Amazing. young Aussie. Oh, to Flow do that. State is 
off its head. It is the amount one of, of the best movies. in that film. The amount of vision that kid's penile gland, <laughs> penile gland, mate, it's throbbing like a leech in his forehead. It's thick. But you know, he's got the same drive, I suppose, as someone like um, Billy Kemper. But they're just they're they're opposites, mm. you know, in the in their um, personas, mm. I suppose. And with Russ, he's he's such a quiet, sort of unassuming. Lovely, you know, young kid, but something happens to him when he's in the water and he just goes into Jedi mode. Mm. Yeah. And he is like Yoda. He's like, mm. he just reads the lineup so well. And, you know, for me, the hardest part watching Russ in an event like that is knowing the persona that he is. And he's a small white guy and he's thrust into a situation with a lot of big, dark, heavy, mm. big wave riders. Mm. There's their local turf. Mm. And I think, how the fuck is Russ going to get a wave off these guys? But, you know, that lineup's so big and it moves around, so there's a lot of intuition. He's got a bit of experience there. Um, but I, I think when I watched his semi, like he got that incredible barrel in the morning, which was amazing. Then he got super clipped, um, I think, in his semi, where he went for the barrel and it didn't barrel and he got he got wasted. I think, he, I think he hit the bottom and got rolled along the bottom. What? And then got back out there. And the thing is, again, like trying to put it into context, when you're sitting in your office or when you're sitting at home and you're watching it, you can't really understand mm. how close to death these guys have yeah. gone with those wipeouts. You go, oh that, was he- oh, that was heavy, but, like, it really must rattle them because I was watching and I was going, all right, there's 15 minutes to go. All Russ has to do is get a three and he's into the final and he's a shot at winning. And obviously, fuck, I want to see him win so bad. But he just didn't get another wave. Um, and because... I don't think there's the ability at that place to paddle to the inside <laughs> and try to get a shorey. Oh, mate. Oh, I just yeah, got to milk die. a shorey. I'll just milk an inside one. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen where the shorey actually winds up? It's like a 14-foot close yeah. out straight onto, onto boulders. So it's hard to, it's hard to get yeah. that in the footage to get context of what that is because you think, go, Russ, just paddle inside and get a three. Yeah. But if he does, he's going to die, you know? So it's, yeah, uh, and he's almost already died. That's the thing. This kid's already shaking off some serious PTSD, some serious nerve-jangling uh, near-death experience. Uh, so, I mean, at such a young age, it's remarkable how he's just managed to keep himself mentally still up for it. You know, he literally, he was brown bread. Uh, and if it wasn't for the goat, Kelly Slater plucking him out, uh, yeah. he wouldn't even be with us. Mm. So, and pff, just remarkable, man. I, I just don't know what's going through that kid's head. It blows my mind. And it, I surf with him a lot down on, uh, down where he's from, surfing little slabs um, down there. And every session he manages to do something that like no one else has really done before almost like he's mm. uh, he's like taking off in positions and just juicing a tiny bit of extra tube time and the guys down there are no slouches you know brett bircher and uh, these kinds Mold. of guys are some of the the best tube riders in the country Whip. and russ is uh just he's not schooling him but he's like just kind of pushing that bar a little bit higher every session yeah. it's, it's crazy man that, he's that, feeling it and i think that's the way it should be those guys will be stoked to, to know that you know the next generation's taking their lead and, and pushing it a lot further but uh special treat coming up over the summer we're going to be dropping all our live eps and we had uh, russ and kirk his okay. dad on together yeah. and mate fuck it was classic how good were they so uh, keep an eye out for that one. But yeah, Kirky Bjerky on the bourbons, uh, up the burbs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, core Lord status absolutely confirmed. Kirky, uh, sorry, uh, Russ. Yeah, he's he's solid. He'll he'll be back, and he'll look at winning that one. Number, Number two. two, Carissa Moore 
is your 29 world champion. It's been four years between drinks, but Chris Moore claimed her fourth title at the spiritual home of Hawaiian women surfing, Honolulu Bay. Who else really? Like it, it just had to go that way. It felt it all it all felt right. Yeah. Big swell forecasted for Honolulu Bay. Chris Moore, it's you know her favorite wave. She's an absolute boss out there. Didn't perform as well as she'd hoped, but still did the job enough to do to get it done. Yeah, man, and like I think it was all sort of pretty much wrapped. I mean, she didn't have a huge lead when you took away the uh, the two events and all that sort of thing, but it just was sort of never gonna. As soon as she had the world title in the bag, it just sort of I guess the emotion of of all that pressure coming off her. She she lost the heat, and Steph went on, and Tyler went on, and all that sort of thing. But yeah, it's just bizarre, mate. Like I'm trying to think. Of everyone on tour right now, even with the world title race panning out the way it did, like Carissa's easily got another two world titles in her. Mm. Don't you think? Like oh, it's, it's yeah. just, at least. Yeah, the way that she sure. rides the tube, the the rail work, like the way that she can surf a, a two-foot wave and an eight-foot wave. She can surf bells. She can put it together backside. Like, man, it's like it's it's really... I think her and Steph have the fundamentals down, but even Carissa's a bit further ahead of Steph when it comes to adding a bit of X-factor flair into things. Yeah, I think Carissa's just super consistent across the board. As you Mm. say, she can do it all. I think, you know, um, even her half-baked turns have got a fair bit of power in them. They look pretty good. So when she she nails a big layback, it's a proper one. It's a proper Larry, you know, and it it scores well. She's not um, inconsistent in between turns. You know, you look at someone like Caroline Marks and when she – She's got a, like a real low centered deep bottom turn, and when it like hockey, when it connects at the right time, it's amazing. Mm. You know when she hits the lip, but in that there's a there's quirkiness, and sometimes it doesn't line up, and she can turn what preferably would be a seven for Carissa. She'll turn that into a four and a half or something. Yeah, so right. I think with Carissa, she's so consistent and so good across the board that she can get easy wins um, through other girls being a little bit off-centre or, or making mistakes. She's just got the package. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I for sure I see more for her, from her. Well, the challenge for her is going to go going back-to-back. Back. I don't think she's done it yet. So it's it's going to be, you know, all about getting straight onto the program for next year. And I, I'm also wondering, you know, like the – What about Tyler? Well, Tyler's like right back in there. Yeah. Okay. But the, what what I find interesting is that the 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 scrappiness of the girls who are, are kind of just a little step below. You know, like when I watch Lakey Peterson surf, I see heaps of Shane Beshin in her style. She's got a classic sort of like open armed wounded wrap. You know, yeah. like it's a wide legged wide big boards armed. too. Yeah, and it looks, it looks sick. But it, it looks like she's got that thing where she's going to really have to scrap. And Courtney as well, they, and they kind of know that about themselves. You know what I mean? They're not just paddling out. I, I think Steph is definitely a, can be guilty of losing interest if it's not suiting her. Yep. Um, whereas those girls just won't take a backward step. So I'm kind of expecting Lakey and Courtney to challenge really hard for the Olympic gold. But yeah, I think I think for the, just purely surf talent and good waves, they're they're still a little ways off. Mm. Carissa and Steph. I, I, I'm going to throw it out there, but I, I think, um, and this goes for men's surfing as well, I think you can just overcomplicate what it is. Mm. It's, surfing in its purest form is about being in the moment and letting, you know, it's how you visualize the wave. And to do that properly and to surf in a beautiful way like Steph Gilmore does, when she's in the moment, she wants it and she's just flowing, there's no better thing to watch. I think mm. Carissa Moore does that quite naturally. 
Um, you know, I'm going to f- throw Solly Bailey into the mix here at the moment for the simple reason that I watch him closely because he's one of our guys. Yeah. He got to the party this year and I felt a little bit that he forgot how to dance, you know, like he just got so tense about what he had to do to win that he started to surf a little bit different to what he normally did. Mm. So that tension, that that stress, that fuck, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, 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 it can really like play on you, you know. I think Chloe Andino used to do it where he'd overcook his turns and it wasn't ugly but it was kind of overcooked and I think a lot of these girls are so desperate to win and they're so excited if you will when they finally do get that wave they they they, they cook it and they make mistakes mm. and they they over accentuate so i think there's a there's this balance that you got to find where you want it badly but you 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 pull it back to where you're still breathing you're still in the moment and you just do what you've gone to do oh. i think italo is like a classic example of that fires there but he seems to be so fucking in the moment you know mm. so I don't know. It's, they're going a little bit deep there, but oh, it's, no, no man, that's man. why you're the gamote. That is a telling insight. <laughs> Love that. Also, like just on Solly, because it's worth mentioning him. He in the first two events of the year, or, or even in the lead up to it, his surfing had never looked better. And and I even remember, uh, remember heats around Snapper and D Bar where he was doing turns, mate. That was so CT level, and it yep. looked like it looked like he was ready and he was there. And he had those that thing happen where you start getting whipped, your confidence starts taking a beating because you're not, you're feeling like you're going great, but you're not getting results. You don't get the scores. And then you start to question everything because you're like, oh, what do I have to change? Yep. Like, and then even early in the year, you start thinking about requalification instead of just surfing. Yeah. And well, he, mate, he, he like, had- what, what even is confidence? It's a grift that we wipe on ourselves. Like it's just this mm. fucking metaphysical thing that, it's a mist that go- comes and goes, and uh, when it's not around, you you ratchet. You got nothing, and that was what we uh, touched on with Kelly at, yep. at, at the talk. Ebola, we're talking about that, and, and he was mentioning, you know, his way of finding that confidence again. He was going to go back and read through his notes from the mid nineties. Oh, how like, was that? The, the guy uh, at his peak <laughs> had wow. the intelligence to to keep a kind of mental diary or a, a heat diary, an actual diary. Yeah, an actual diary of of the like everything uh, that was going right at that point because he's a fucking genius. That is very uh, astute thinking. And uh, man, the confidence thing when it's gone, you just can't function in any in any respect in any profession yeah. as a rule of life. Mm. Low confidence is uh, just not conducive to performing well. And, I mean, I, I think, like, I look at uh, Carissa Moore, right? She's Mrs. Consistent, in my opinion. Her mentality, <clears throat> her ego is so in check, it's so low that, it's, you know, in, in a healthy way, um, she doesn't get full of herself. Yeah. I, I had a chat with her after winning J-Bay, um, you know, and she just rocked up to a, a party. I don't even know if she had one drink. She was there with her husband. I think she does. And she was just this gentle soul, completely polite. Uh, and it's ironic because you'll meet a lot of professional surfers who are much lower ranked than her and much less successful, and they are fucking torturous pricks. <laughs> full, of, full of themselves, man. Talking down to you, like carrying on, like you just want to fucking put a stiff right hand through their chin, man. Like it's... <laughs> Outrageous, and uh, so it's just. I think the you know the rewards go to the to those who really keep their their mental game in check, and mm. I, I think meditation and, and these kinds of things just you know destroying the ego, staying out of your thoughts, 
staying in the moment, yeah. staying in the present. But I, like, I, I think, think these are rules for life, For man. sure, mate, for sure. But I, like in the new surfing life, in your new mag, I read the story on Luke Munro and, and uh, Nathan Hedge mm. and just how, you know, Luke Munro says in that story that he never had time to relax on tour and enjoy it. He was basically on there from first heat in the big leagues after you know winning an amateur, uh, a world junior title and, and cleaning out the Aussie junior series. He couldn't relax because he just knew that they were a, a, another level. And so he was just constantly stressing about requalification. Like how on earth are you supposed to surf your best when you've got that hanging over you the entire time? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you yeah. something about the tour and it, and it is and it can be very unhealthy is that you end up with so much time on your hands. I mean, the, the old saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. It, it's You're better off to be busy and having things that are occupying your mind because the more time that you've got on your own to dwell on things that are in the future, and I, I see it a lot and I, I found it happened to me and I've seen it happen to a lot of pro surfers or would-be pro surfers, is that you're always living for the next result. Mm. You're always living for the next surf. You're always you're always thinking about these things. You're always thinking about, oh, if I just get that next result, then I'll be there. So you're in a constant state of looking forward. If you're, and just to, to touch on that, if you're thinking about that, that moment in the future, your brain is producing those chemicals, your neurochemistry, you're neurochemically in that moment if you're thinking about that moment. So you're flooding your central nervous system with cortisol, with stress, with adrenaline, and you're having a fucking coffee at a cafe. Like, it's not it's not helpful. I, no, absolutely. You're thinking about it all the time. So it's, It wears you down. It wears your immune system down. It wears everything down. Yeah, and I think it's not just, you know, pro surfers, obviously. It's, um, it's probably a lot of sports people as well that have all that time to think about that next one hour or next 20 minutes or, or whatever it be. Mm. And you can chew yourself up in that time. So it's, it's about, again, finding that balance, that, that, that time out and other things that mm. preoccupy you that yeah, because like, really surfing in, in its purest form is a pretty simple act. It's, um, well, that's why so many guys in the eighties got on the nose bags. I was right? just about it's to say, to do. pour a mountain of nose bag, <laughs> a mountain of nose beers on top of that, uh, mental health quagmire. And oh, uh, got- you've got a recipe for, Shane Herring. Ah, comps off for three but days. I, I, I feel... <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> I feel for, for, for Luke because it is mm. true. He's probably was in his mindset. He had to always be chasing that thing mm. down. And and maybe the same with Hedgie. I think Hedgie was in the, the yeah, story well, as well. He and, mentioned in that story, uh, written by yours truly, the two-time gold cone piece, award-winning <laughs> surf journalist, of course. Who else? But uh, he mentioned uh, that... He just wishes someone had have introduced him to meditation during his career, you know. This was a guy who, <clears throat> at 13 years old, was on a boat trip with Curran, you know. He had, he was take, getting taken out of school at such a young age. He, he never had anyone sit him down and just give him the skills to survive to a life. And, and you know, this guy was top five in the world uh, or top 10, top five for, for two consecutive years. And then the next year he was off tour. Yeah. So, like, pro surfing such a fickle game. And he just had no coping mechanisms for dealing with the, the highs and lows of it. Mm. So uh, meditate, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, namaste. Motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, look, uh, Riss Moore, uh, she is just, she's the queen. Yeah. She's, the, she's the new queen and she's going to be, uh, you know, basically challenging for a few more world titles and uh, Absolutely. Right, rightfully so. But uh, Does 20... she get angry? Carissa? Yeah. I, I haven't seen an I haven't seen any evidence of that. No, no I, she just seems very lovely. I gave I, I in the last ep Bainey with um Jodie Cooper and, and Tulsi Gabbard, 
been pronouncing her name wrong the entire time. But uh, she, uh, I was told this anecdote about seeing her in France. She was having a free surf with her coach, Mitchy Ross. And uh, I got an insight into her because she came in and she all she cares about is how she's going. She doesn't use hate as a motivation. She doesn't use, you know, uh, who's surfing well or what she has to do. It's just all about how do I surf to my best, which is like mm. straight away, that's all about focusing that's just right. on the one thing you can control, and that's a pretty sweet place to come from. Yeah. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to the person you were yesterday. So to do what you want to do well, you don't have to compete with anybody. What is it that you want to do? Throw your life and do it. What has to happen will happen according to your abilities and your capabilities. Somebody is doing so much, if you try to do that, you will go mad. You will not realize your full potential, isn't it? You look into yourself, what is it that you want to do? Offer your life to it and do it. What has to happen will happen to the extent your capabilities, your intelligence and abilities allow you, isn't it? Why are you working against somebody? It's not necessary. And stop achieving things in this world, there is nothing to achieve. Do what you love to do with all your heart, what has to happen will happen, isn't it? Be the person your dog thinks you are, is a great quote I heard one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bummed I wasn't there for the Jodie Cooper uh, podcast. Oh, oh yeah. Because she is just… Queen. She's the yeah. best, Swelling queen. She is Number the one. Best. Top yeah. of the pops. Uh, but for mine, 2020, the price is right, bitch. It's all going to be about Tyler Wright, mate. <laughs> Kidding me? <laughs> and just so you know, um, we did have to pull a Tyler Wright episode from the last episode, uh, we, the interview with Tyler from the last episode, simply because we had uh, announced her comeback before she did. Oh. And that it was just a simple little mistake. So no, meltdown. I cooked it. Sorry, no, Tyler. That, yeah, it wasn't that bad. It was just like basically we we jumped the gun. We were too excited. Right there, you had to think that you were just toast. Absolutely burnt toast, covered in Vegemite. So well, there, there was no conspiracy theory. There was no nothing. Yeah, no. yeah we didn't do it, 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 it doesn't yeah, matter. Right. We just took it out. We, we look after the rights, mate. Mongrel Mikey, the big O. Hey, the White Walker, he's coming back. Oh, his year fell a pieces the second he stopped wearing the gaff. Mm. Just, just throwing it out there. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. I missed his heater pipe. He was not wearing the gaff? Nah, nah. He, w- was he wasn't. No, I don't think what? he was. I'm, I'm, he was knocked sure. before I even tuned in. I couldn't believe it. I, uh, I was expecting him to... Oh, man, he, he hasn't really performed at the Pipe Masters yet, has he? But he's one of the... I mean, maybe not in recent memory anyway. That I can remember. I could be wrong. But uh, he's had a couple of years off the Pipe Masters too. I think he's, yeah. I was I, expecting him to do better in, in those kinds of conditions. I don't know. Mm. He got done by Yago Dora. But I guess Yago's staying there at the uh, Vulcan Pipe House. He's got the bird's eye view. He does. Has yeah. there, has there been an uptake on the in, in gaff sales since um, oh, it's mate, come to light? You joking? There's just swellings lining up outside. They're camping outside the, the gaff factory Wait, right now. Like stocks a, to come in. Like it's a new Apple iPhone about to be released. <laughs> <laughs> There's just swellings lining up the whole way out the factory. It's true. I'm saying. All right, number, number one. one. Are we calling it the greatest world title pipe masters finale of all time? <laughs> <laughs> Right up there, huge call. I think I think it, there's been finales. There was uh, one that was a Billabong Pro, not a Pipe Masters, uh, with Tommy and and Barton, and uh, I think Duma was involved in that one too. That was an epic, epic comp. Yeah, but this, this this one it went down to the last the last minute heat of the year. Yeah, it's so good. Fuck, yeah. it was wild. 
And it was then, so wild. Where do you even want to start with this whole comp? Well, I mean, let's just start with a couple of statistics. I think Idolo becomes the first surfer to win the world title and the Pipe Masters in the ha- same heat since Andy Irons uh, back in 2005. Oh, wow. That's huge. Yeah. Um, that's dealing with pressure. And uh, Idolo, uh, from uh, the little bird on the North Shore that was uh, chirping in my ear, he was saying that Idolo was surfing three times a day for a month uh, leading up to the event at Pipe. So he was putting his time in, in the lineup, getting it all dialed. Uh, and only Medina. I mean, only Medina could spend half the Hawaii season whining and dining in Rio or wherever he was and uh, still be that good. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm tripping. I, I, I felt, look, just let's, let's just talk about Italo as world champion for a sec. Yeah. This is a guy, man, who had no junior hype. Like, like when he got on tour, I didn't even know who he was at all. I mean, guys who had probably done a few QEs and or, or had been in the sort of the junior international junior scene would have seen him coming through. But he was just a name to me, and uh, he got Rookie of the Year, and I just didn't see it happening this quickly. I just like obviously his surfing was undeniable, especially at Bells where he beat Fanning in that final. But to to turn it on and to be that good and Fucking be the world champ. I mean, it's just hard to believe that you can snap in yeah. and, and get it done. I said this to Paco uh, on the Caloundra episode that uh, he's the kind of surfer where you don't even really know how good he's going to be. Like, he's still improving at such a rate that it's like, where's this guy going to stop? He hasn't stopped, you know? Medina has uh, plateaued to a degree. He's still firing away, you know, probably the best surfer in the world. Like, uh his record suggests that, I guess, and Italo's now superseded that to a degree. And I don't know, like I feel like his trajectory of improvement is just—you can't predict where it's going to finish. Yeah, you know what you said before—you didn't know where he came from. Mm. I was a bit the same. I remember first seeing him, and referring back to when I seen Caroline Marks, and I thought she was um, Luke Egan's cousin from Dubbo. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> same with Italo when he burst onto the scene. Thought he was I Luke Egan's thought, cousin from Wagga Wagga. Well, this, this <laughs> little Italian guy has just walked out the back of some abattoir somewhere and just, you know, landed on a board. But I, at first I thought he's got a kind of ugly style and it's all about the aerial because mm. I think there was this whole thing when the Brazilian storm, if you will, the wind came up. That's all anyone thought they could do. They could surf small waves and they could do aerials, but they obviously soon were to prove that wrong. And Italo sort of came through and that sort of, you know, second waft of that. And he just, he kind of just didn't look like your typical surfer. He was kind of had a really different sort of, not ugly style, but it was a little kind of obtrusive. Mm. And then, um, as you just said before, Jed, he's just, fuck, his improvement rate is just, and he surfs with so much passion and so much vigor and so much want, and uh, it's undeniable, mm. like how good oh, he is. His performance at Pipeline, it was big, heavy pipe, and this guy is knifing under the lip takeoffs on eight to ten footers, and not just getting to the bottom, but fucking pumping off the bottom through multiple chambers yeah. and getting spat out. I mean, who even knew that the guy could ride left pits I, of consequence? I was a year absolutely ago. Yeah. Yeah. tripping on on not the ones that he was free falling into, but the ones where he was literally taken off like a backsider. Like you know, you see John John he. He almost doesn't paddle. He sort of drifts up the face, turns around, and he's just under the lip and slides in under it. And the, yeah. goof, the goofs don't really do that out there. And he was like knifing in right under an already sort of p- pitching lip 
and fully threading. And I was just going, wow. Because Medina, he does the other thing. He does the Tommy Carroll thing where you, you kind of free fall down the face and then just right at the last second get up under the guillotine. It was like completely different approaches going on. And um, what a battle, though. What a battle. Such but a good Watching battle. those two guys just go heat for heat every single time, the pressure mounting on the other. And Medina, mate, say what you will. Uh, and like, let, well, we got to unpack this dropping. Yeah, yeah there's a lot to unpack. Like, this is huge. But I will say this. At the end of the day, how good is he to make every single title race, you know, He's incredible. Just so intense. He's incredible. You He's know, incredible. You know he will get there. You know he will. Yeah. Like, it's psycho. The man with the iron no matter what, No matter what it takes, he will get there. Absolutely. Yeah, it was amazing, mate. Talk to us about uh, just the tube riding technique that, that you saw, Bainey, because, I mean, you've, you've put a lot of time in at Pipeline, and uh, the approach to that wave has come so far since uh, your time on tour. You know, what, what did you make of what Medina and Italo were doing out there? Because, I mean, you could – fuck, you, you were splitting hairs to decide a winner. Like, Medina was incredible. He's mm. a freak of nature, that guy. A force of nature. You know, like I said, this guy was living it up in Rio de Janeiro and, you know, probably <laughs> fucking dropping googs at day clubs at uh, Mauritius. <laughs> like, the guy was partying deep into the Hawaii season and he shows up. Allegedly. And, allegedly. allegedly. And he uh, shows up and, and puts on a performance like that. Yeah, what did you, what did well, you make of it all? Well, my take on it, and if, uh, if I strip it back to my knowledge of it, you know, because... I surf pipe a bit, but I didn't surf it a hell of a lot. You know, I wasn't out there every single day and I'm open to admit that. And I've been really open about that. I was kind of inexperienced out there. And at times it showed when you're out of big pipe or you're out of pipe in general, there's nowhere to hide. And especially at that world stage, it's like being on a soccer field, you're exposed. So, you know, your experience is going to be exposed. Your equipment's exposed, your wants exposed. And, you know, I was proud of myself that I had a go when I was there, but I was definitely not experienced as what I should be. Mm. And it shows. And the thing with um, Italo, you know, he went there and he engaged with J-O-B. He got Shane Dorian on side Mm. in his camp. He just spent time. And he spent time over the last so many seasons Mm. without people kind of knowing. I went over there for a work trip um, a couple of years ago, surfed Rocky Point with Italo. You know, it was a pretty heavy Rocky Point, and he was a machine, Mm. like just – and wants it. You can just see that he wants it, you know. If I relate it back again to a world title campaign that was going down between Danny Wills, Mick Campbell and Slater uh, that one year. 98. Yeah, 98 was it? Yeah, those those boys were back here training in the sand dunes and doing what they thought was right to win at Pipe. But I don't think there's any substitute for spending time at Pipe to be a champion out there. And that's why the guys that put the time in, you can see it. So Gabriel and Italo both have that. But I think... Italo, on the day, Gabriel was, in my mind, doing everything that he does. He's got the experience. He's unbelievable out there, one of the best. But he was also more, in in my mind, he was inside his mind to win a world title. Mm. So he was surfing with, with, with um, it was a chess game as well. So there were two parts to his brain. To me, it seemed like Italo was just, he was in it. Like he was just it so in it, it and, his, and his way. energy all day, every time he was interviewed, you could see he was he was penting up and he was building and he was building like when they showed him running down the um the back alleyway from the driveway with his headphones on, he was just like it was like he was going through rounds in a boxing match to 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 knock the guy out in the last mm-hmm. round. And even in the interview at the end where he finally broke down and he started sobbing 
like a little kid, you know, where you can't breathe. <laughs> How remarkable was, was that? Insane. And then he turned around and started bashing the perspex where his mates yeah! were. Yeah! <laughs> it was fucking epic! What an incredible moment, Antelo, as he James hugs Jamie O'Brien. Antelo, it was a must win situation. Clean sweep. You are a Billabong Park master, but you've also achieved the ultimate accolade in surfing your maiden world title. I can imagine. This was my dream, you know, and I did get my li- um, all my life on this, you know, just to win trophy, you know, and uh, yeah, God, give me that. And this is going to my grandmother and my uncle. They passed away when in Europe, and my grandmother passed away three weeks ago. When, she was told to me to do it, so I did, and I can't believe it. Thank you, God. You've made your family, you've made your fans, you've made your family incredibly proud, but it's alone. To be in a situation where you had to beat Gabriel Medina and meet in the final like this, I bet you couldn't have dreamed of a better moment. I, I just want to believe in myself, you know. I know Gabe is a hard competitor, you know, and he... Um, play so hard, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, congrats Gabe and uh, Carissa too, and yeah, that was, but this is my moment, you know, and yeah, you can't believe it. An incredible season, your 2019 WSL World Champion, as well as your Bullabong Park Master Champion, Itzlo Ferreira, let him celebrate you guys. Oh my lord! So I just felt he was in the. There was nothing Fuck, going wrong it. for the guy, you know. Like, and, so and people good. will complain about, oh, you know, Australians or Americans or whatever are going to complain about, you know, the Brazilian dominance. But you know, I've spent a lot of time with both those guys. Uh, Medina, when he was eighteen and first come on the tour, I spent a day at Stratty with him. Uh, Italo, I spent a day with him in Margs. And man, I fucking love these guys. Mm. That to me, they are just the epitome of professionalism. Uh, you know. <laughs> You don't necessarily want to be sharing a lineup with them, but at the same time, like they're 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 not too bad to be honest. Actually, you know, in a free surf, like leading up to a competition, yeah, they're they're pretty. You know, they're out there to get their waves for sure. But they're just mongrels, man. They they got their backs against the wall. Uh, take that. Take no prisoners. Uh, attitude. I know Potts said uh, about Medina on the webcast. He he said, oh, you know, Medina should have been. Should have been in my era. Like, he's got that kind of vibe about him. Some of the paddle battles, uh, Medina and Griffin Colapinto, fuck, they just went at each other oh, was awesome. in that semi. That was that, that was, was great. Oh, see, that's, I, awesome. that's what I want to see. I'm a sports fan. Surfing, uh, comp- competitive surfing to me is just, it's a sport. It's an arena. It's mm. gladiatorial, especially at Maxing Pipe. I want to see <laughs> fucking trying to rip each other's throats out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. Look, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Medina... There's there's a few things I want to talk about with him, but but firstly, like what 
did Kyo Abelli do to this guy in a past life? Like, was he was he a dog that was just constantly shitting on his lawn? Or like, what, what was going on? Why has Medina just taken a put? Like, it's like how much more can you rinse a guy's soul? You know yeah. what I mean? He's out there. He just wants to surf. He's one of those guys who. You know, he knows he's not the best guy on tour, but he fucking has a red-hot dig, and it, and the best guys bring out his best. You hear every single person talk about it on the, on the you know, the webcast, um, which was fucking incredible, by the way. I'll get to that in a minute. Mm. But that heat, I mean, this literally turned the purists into a... It was a whitewash of hate. There was so much anger... Going on over this oh, rule. Crime, you fucking ripper, man. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you expect? That's what, I, that's what do you expect, mate? Like, you know, look, I'm a guy who like grew but up. Tell me, tell me about your reaction in that moment, because I was watching it in bed and I just went, "What the fuck?" I was so <laughs> caught off guard and so unprepared for someone to use the rules like that, and I thought. I was going, he's blown it. I had shades of the Greg Chapel underarm oh, bowl to the Kiwis. It's a hundred percent that, except way more crafty like that's just a straight up dog act this was like you know hey we've got this just how did he don't know don't give him a sniff how did he know does he have a chip inserted no, into well, Charlie, behind his ear Charlie or something he was screaming from the beach screaming at him burn him burn him burn him <laughs> and if you hear in the post yeah, yeah. yeah he just goes you know I could hear his stepdad screaming out dropping on him dropping on him and, and Medina turns around gives him the big thumbs up <laughs> everyone saw it and then just cooks him because he knows he, he knows he can't lose and it was fucking nine Genius. parts brilliance one part underarm bowling to win the game but yeah. I, I, I'm like maybe seven and three yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what, what do you make of like you know the people getting down on that Bainey like are you a guy who wants to see people win surfing or are you an animal who just wants to see people use whatever method they can to get the win? Um, a bit of both, I reckon. But, I mean, that was brilliant like, from from Medina. But mm. it's also you can see why people would hate it. There's probably 90% of the people out there don't like Medina. And, and I don't know why, you know, because I think people don't really know him and I think they don't really know his dad and they probably don't really know the, the backstory. And they have to have someone to hate. So Medina is like, he's kind of like a Terminator. He's he's just, well, he's Brazilian. He's mm. angry. He's competitive. And he's in he's a jersey. Tall. In a jersey. Outside. In a jersey. Yeah, in a jersey. Love but that's guy. all. That's all people most, know. One of the most respected guys on tour. We had Parker on the program, uh, as I mentioned before, and he mentioned that, uh, you know, away from heats. He's almost universally adored, Medina. But yeah, that, that yeah. Was- but that's the, I'm talking about the people that that, that aren't close to the door. Because right. obviously, you know, mm. we're in the inner sanctum, I suppose, in a way. But for everyone else, they just see this madly competitive guy that is a little bit like the Terminator. Doesn't say much, and yeah. um, I suppose in the in, in in that moment, vast majority of people probably want to see Idolo win the world title. Um, so when that heat happened, they were praying for a loss for Medina. Uh, so Italo would win, and when that shit goes down, it's like instantly there's hate. Mm. You know? So I think it's misjudged. I think, it but g- even it- Kelly Slater posted in his Instagram stories that rule. You know how the the rule came out? Like if you do something that's uh, unsportsmanlike, unsportsmanlike, or intentionally um, foul play, or whatever. You know, it's it's not foul. It's within the rules. But there's there's three pointers that sort of go close to ticking all the boxes of what happened in that heat. And even yeah. Kelly posted it and just said, 
think his caption was just going to put this out there. Like, <laughs> oh. And I, I, I was like, mate, just fucking leave it alone, mate. Yeah. <laughs> My question is, but, what do you have to do uh, to kind of tick all those boxes and, and become that uh, unsportsman, uh, just, yeah, become that unsportsman figure and, and, and wear that penalty from the WSL? What do you have to do? Because I, I can't even imagine... Uh, a scenario <laughs> more more important than that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally more fitting for that yeah. criteria. In the end, it didn't matter. That's the that's the lucky thing for the WSL because if if Gabe had won, that would be a much bigger talking point right now than it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if he'd won yeah. the world title, people would be but, going. You know, it, it, you take it right back to like the early days when professional surfing first started. As soon as there's money in the game, and and there's glory and there's whatever to that next that next step, people start using the rules you know like mr supposedly was like the gnarliest hassler out of anyone you know rabbit all those guys like they'd paddle lance you up. burkhart he was a shocker yeah they'd paddle you up around the point you know so it's um it's no not different it's just it's just different stages yeah. of what the rules allow you to do but uh, i thought it was quite brilliant yeah and, and all those snowflakes going it's not in the spirit of surfing man it's like <laughs> come on man it's like it's a contest it's a competition <laughs> yeah I mean, I grew up in the era of uh, watching Les Davidson break people's jaw. No, well, I didn't exactly grow up in that era, but I grew up watching that guy, <laughs> you know, headbutting people on football fields and, you know, South Sydney, y- y- people are fighting on the beach, people are fighting in streets, people are fucking just brawling and carrying on. And this guy is, uh, it's such a drop in the ocean of aggression and violence, I think, in my opinion. I think it was awesome. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I didn't think it was bad sportsmanship at all. I think poor old Kyo just, he's just the unluckiest bloke in the world. Yeah, well, hopefully he uses it as a motivator. Well, yeah, and, you know, totally. trains, trains the house down, comes and, mate, back it and It would be great to see him get one back with a similar sort of rule. I, yeah. mean, I mean, he did. See, this is the one thing that I found messed up is that now that it's all said and done, that paddling interference in Portugal is literally the Tom Carroll moment of Medina's year. The one, you know, where Tom Carroll lost the un- unlosable world that, title that pipe to over Holland. a shit paddling interference. Yeah. It's a karmic symmetry to it all, and isn't man, it? And man, I'm telling you, like this, this paddling interference at the time, I remember when we were all given our um, predictions about the world title, I actually said, I think he's done. And, and, I, I just felt like that moment was too big a brain snap to not have dire consequence in this year. And even though he got all the way to the final and like you said, it was down to the last minute, I just felt I felt like that moment was going to mean a lot more than he was giving it credit for because he should have fucking just mowed that heat, right? The one that he lost to Kayo in Portugal. So he got it back and he got it back karmically, you know, in a, in a mm. weird sort of way, but it, he paid the price. What I wanted to ask you, Bainey, and um, this will be, you know, I'd love to get your take on it too, Smithy. Is when you lose a world title like this, like when you go so close and you lose, like Tom did, how long does it take you to regather? Like, are you able to come straight back next year with that same focus that you had, that same confidence, same belief in yourself? Or are you kind of going to be broken glass for a couple of years? I. Uh, it depends on the person, I suppose, mm. um, and, and it depends, I suppose, in your own mind where you hold yourself. I mean, you're asking me that question. That's a big ask of me because. But you've I, seen guys go through it. Elko, for example, like he he got so close so many times. There's yeah, only well, so much energy you got in your tank for a loss like that. I think at a certain point you do get broken, you know. But mm. it takes it can take a while. Like 
someone like Elko was extremely unlucky and in some cases actually got ganged up on and, um, you know, to, to lose a world title at Pipe. And they're, they're sad moments and they are breakers, you know, and they... they Jeez, there's going to be a fair bit of bed karate after that, isn't there? <laughs> tossing and turning Mate, for years. Well, the, 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 like the WSL broadcast of that final day it was fucking amazing, mate. Like, I don't care what anyone, what, whatever little fucking snippets you want to try and pick apart. No, it was incredible. There was the this moment in the final. Up. I loved Ronnie brought just such great energy to the broadcast. I thought oh, on the final Ronnie, day. Ronnie Barton Potts and, Joe, and they the were A-team. all on fire. Strider was in his element, man. Dude, that was what I was going to say. He that, was. He, he knows that wave so well. That, that's my memory of yeah. Strider as a surfer is just picking but off giant just, pipe bombs. Yeah, can I just say the one moment that fucking I I was just going, no way. This is like hitting a new level. Was when they threw down to Strider and they said, What is Gabrielle's face doing? He just paddled mm. past you. And there was still plenty of time, like three or four minutes to get a six or a seven. And uh, Strider goes, Man, he looks like he's crying. Like he's got mm. water in his eyes. Mm. He's, uh, and I was going, Wow, he's getting. No, like the ice man, that, that, that has, was a good moment. The yeah. ice man has yeah. melted because Italo had emotionally fucking smothered him. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. It was over. He was going. He he couldn't even deny it. He couldn't even ignore it. It was completely it was and utterly whitewashed. I love how the Brazilians have their emotions on the surface like that. It is a great trait of that yeah. that culture. Uh, and I think I'm pretty sure that the moment that led to Medina crying, he'd. Uh, just before that, taken off on like what looked like a perfect 10. It was like an 8 to 10 foot perfectly lined up pipe TP. And we're talking about the karmic symmetry. We're talking about, you know, what he had done not being in the spirit of surfing. Mm. I think the Tiki gods, they were angry and they turned it into a closeout. <laughs> and Strider actually uh, made mention of that. He said, look, when Medina paddled into that thing, this is what the whole world title hinged on this wave. Yeah, yeah. And he said, when Medina stroked into that thing, it looked like a perfect pipeline wave. It had 10 written all over it, and then it just stretched out, and he ended up having... He took a kind of a big pump and just straightened out and got fucking lit oh. up. It looked like the wave broke straight in his Achilles tendon. Mm. Uh, and then that was it. That was the that was the deciding moment. I'm pretty sure he pretty much coughed up priority, and that was his roll of the dice. And that was uh, really interesting as well because, fuck, like... To take a beating, you were saying before at Jaws, you, you, you're watching it at, at home, and you just you don't you don't get it. You just go get back out there, get one more, come on, come on. And like for Medina, who never falls off, just about like or always is in a good spot. That was a heavy beating. That was a really bad spot to get. Well, same thing happened to Geordie in in the heat that he lost. Mm. Um, and again, watching that closely, he was in the world title mix, and you know, white chocolate, whatever you want to say, he needed to make this one wave and I think the mistake he made he took a wave with priority that wasn't as good as what it should have been he wasn't to know that he got pumped then he got smashed inside like by a 8 to 10 foot That's set right. got punished broke his board had to go in um, and I was watching him and I was thinking well this is your moment you know this is where you you graft you get aboard you get back out there and if it's ever going to happen it's going to happen but now. what did white chocolate do in this moment he didn't, well, he didn't get a wave in the end, and and maybe he melted. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Hey, but, um, no, look, it, it was <laughs> mate. Watching someone after they've taken gas and they and they've you know been hammered, like whether it's a Rusty Urk at Jaws or Albie Layer or Gab, as you say in in, in the final, and watching Geordie then. But those are the moments, you know, like uh, the yeah, now or never I, moments. I, I'm, I'm going to like. 
I was totally sucked in. After the, uh, I was just giving myself huge props before about, you know, calling that Gabby was going to lose the world title after that interference. Well, I picked Geordie to win the world title. I felt, I felt, like, it, I felt like it was going to be, because like, I'd been backing. You've um, lost a bit of money on Geordie over the years, haven't you? Oh, mate, I'm having a shocker. Yeah, me too. I'm having yeah, a shocker as well. I sit here like I, I'm talking with such conviction. Like what, I know what, what I'm talking about. What was the Wesley Snipes uh, quote? Always bet on black and <laughs> never bet on white chocolate. <laughs> Well, you know, for me, I, I was, thought there was going to be a lot of north swell and it was going to be right-handers at back yeah. door. I thought the sand was, because of that swell direction, I thought the sand was going to sit on the lefts of pipe. The lefts weren't going to be as much. Mm. And it sort of started like that, but then a little bit more west started creeping into the swell. Sand gets washed off, the lefts start to come into play. And unfortunately, that's kind of where it didn't work for Jordan. No, Jeez, it was good to see a climax at the pipeline, though, yeah, in the lefts. In the lefts, yeah, sick, absolutely. Man. I like it too. Funny that the first wave of the final, which really put, you know, a was bit right? of a sword yes. into, into Gabby. Controversial was... score too. They they went pretty high on that. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't a – he didn't knife it straight off the takeoff. He kind of rolled into it and kick-stalled under it and didn't get tubed for that long. A 7-8-3 seemed It was a little high. similar to the – remember the wave he got a box where yeah, he just yeah. went down to sort of late bottom turn. Oh, like the kind of and that should have been a 10. Around. He got gypped on that. So it's <laughs> yeah. all kind of come out in But the, the other thing that was pretty crucial in that was instantly because you, you know Gabriel had that thing with Kao, he had the thing with Griffin Colapinto. He went to do it to um, yes, Italo. Yes, Italo fucking took him out. Mm. So Cut instantly, fuck with the Ferrero, mate. That was wild. <laughs> I loved that exchange. Actually, yeah, you know, the, got the, him. It was only Italo. Only Italo could have kind of foreseen and and just that situation and and out. You manoeuvred Dino. It was incredible. That, two that. Brazilians going oh, out. Like, no. how, good, how good was that <laughs> I was exchange? Even, I was even blown away by like the merch on the beach. Like you had Medina who had like the rip curl uh, the yellow jerseys that look pretty much like soccer jerseys. You know, everyone's down there looking like pro athletes. And then the tie-dye. And then you've got the tie-dye <laughs> fucking with Bilo, with oh, Bilo's, Bilo's head with his tongue sticking out. On it. I was just going, what is this? is like an ultimate battle. Everything about it. But but the cool thing was, you know, all Italo's T-shirts were green, all Gabby's were yellow. It was still just completely Brazil yeah, yeah. on the beach. And, um, man, I just couldn't have had more fun watching that final and, and the way that it played out. And uh, did you see uh, when they lifted up, I think it's Mariella, Italo's girl. She oh, yes, yeah, she got trampled. Sh- it was very unfortunate. Picked up and, and put up on the on the shoulders. And then next thing, she just falls down and the crowd just mows over like the bulls yeah, of like Pamplona. See, <laughs> it um, seriously was like a David Attenborough like uh, documentary where the, all <laughs> yeah. the feet were going over her. Oh, <laughs> you think God. she's going to get trampled to death. It was hectic. I, I want to like, see that in slow-mo. Someone needs classic. to roll up a newspaper and start whacking people on the nose. Just like, whack, whack. <laughs> Get out! And I mean, you talk about Medina. You, you put the question to Bainey Vaughan. You know, what's Medina got to do to to rebuild his confidence and come back in uh, twenty twenty? And I mean, the only parallel I can draw in in my life is you know losing my third gold cone piece to uh, my arch nemesis Tim Baker. <laughs> Uh, and you know, the rebuilding phase it involved a lot of meditation, a lot of Wim Hof. It, it took a trip to Nepal. So I uh, that that'd be my advice, Medina. Uh, just yeah. I, I, I would love, press, uh, you know, I, I didn't see, I don't know if you guys did, but I didn't see any posts. I didn't see any footage. Uh, you know, like I remember when Parco lost that world title to Mick Fanning in 2009 and there was footage leaked of him going skits on the side of the building of the oh, Billabong yeah. house, really letting it out. Then there was footage in um, Blue Horizon of Kelly in the shower uh, up at um, – Oh, whichever house he was staying in, um, maybe Striders. Yeah, maybe all these peep cams, but, all this shower footage. It's you know, a bit, bit he, invasive. He one. was there crying 
uh, you know, and and I was just going, "Where's Gabby? Like, what? How's he going? Like, oh, did did you guys watch the Prezzo and all that sort of stuff? Was he was he there? Was he present? Was he stoked for Italo? I I missed it all. I kind of missed that. I I, I just watched Italo's interview, which I thought was just fantastic. That no, was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, uh, one of the greats, and uh, well done, Italo Ferrer, worthy world champ. Oh, man, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be. That, that's almost my ideal world champ. Like, I mean, when you cover the world tour uh, and you're traveling around in part of the circus, the, the national boundaries kind of fall away, and you just I start to gravitate towards personalities uh, who I really respect and admire. And I got to say, like uh, having observe these guys up close i have so much love and adoration uh for the likes of medina and ferreira and that that's what it looks like from up close yeah anyway. well well done oh, Hussle. Yeah. well done Italy. well done brazil very mad. pull your fucking finger out australia <laughs> <laughs> unders and overs Ooh. aussie qualifiers quite a uh fruitful over year. Oh. Australians <laughs> on the wqs god it's been a while hasn't it mm. we've been lagging but i, I look it's promising, though. I really like the, the pedigree. Some really mm. stylish, classically Australian surfers. You know, if the Brazilians are the kind of comp demons, I feel like the Australians in 2020 are going to bring some much-needed style and flow and, yeah, just some really beautiful lines to the Well, tour. we got two guys who have been there before uh, who are bigger and smarter and, and know the game now, uh, Conor O'Leary and Jack Robbins. Uh, sorry, Ethan. Conor O'Leary and Ethan Ewing. And yeah. Ethan looks like a different human he's Ooh. twice as big he's whacking it that much harder he's gonna do uh damage and i think connor too he's you know big solid goofs mate there's not enough of them on tour yeah. i mean there's the brazilian boys of course but um i just love the idea of a big powerful guy who can throw an air but also just completely blast one out the back with big fat noon Nooner mm. alert. It's a big rig, Connor. Mad swellian too. Yeah, up the swellian. Pop, up up the swellian. Popped in at the uh, gong show down there and he's just south of his hometown of Cronulla. He got it done. Got over there and got it done. Um, but that's exciting. I'm really pumped to see both those guys back. But uh, Jack Robbo, after years of toiling away, we'll talk about him in a minute. But who the fuck is Morgan Siblick? Who is he? Where did he come from? Yeah, caught me so by surprise. I mean, uh, as far as I know, he uh, holds down the till at the local Rip Curl Surf store. Yeah, fair uh, good. Yeah, so, and a similar trajectory, I guess, to Conor O'Leary, who was also yep. working in a surf shop uh, the year he qualified. Uh, he's a, a Merriweather Board Riders Club member, so he's joining Ryan Callanan on tour in 2020. A couple of Merriweather lads looking for a big year from Callanan. I feel like I he's got he's, a title he splits, in him. Yeah. He splits his time, I think, between Yamba and, and Merriweather. Oh, I don't know whether right. he was born yeah. up in Yamba or Merriweather, but he's a little bit back and forth. I, I kind of started to follow him simply because I follow Will Webber surfboards. Oh, this Will is Webber the best story ever. A legend. Scum Valley's finest himself, the front man of Mind Crack, one of the uh, original kind of urban raver punks out of the uh, 80s and 90s. He, uh, his shadow looms large over the area. Oh, mate. Up the Webbers. The Webber clan, yes. And, like, riding Will Webber's boards. It's one Yeah, of, riding what, Will's boards, His yeah. board company's called One of Will's, isn't it? Yeah. That's what, that's what he calls it. Is that One of Will's? Is that yeah, one of Will's I boards? believe so. Yeah. And they're mental. <laughs> they're, they're such high-quality boards. I've, I've ridden many over the years. The whole suburb kind of rides them. 
But you know, Will and and and, and the gang, whether it's Will and Will's and Balsy and Brand Brano yeah. and you know oh, all of that crew, classy crew. They all used Era. to do like the APSA sort of tour, and some of them went on to do the the QSs and stuff. So they they're ground in that gritty fucking let's grind this thing mm. down and try and make it. And just to see that Will's um, shaping boards and supporting this kid Morgan that no one knows about is uh, I just think it's brilliant. I met Morgan. Um, I met him at Ringham Mall. Like I was having a lunch break from work, and and I was outside Lowe's, right? And all of a sudden, I classic Baney. Yeah, <laughs> doing all your, outside Lowe's. All your Chrissy shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Are they giving you a run in one of those Lowe's ads? Well, yet? I'm looking for a sponsor right now, so so I'm outside Lowe's. You and Terry Hill, and a couple of the young kids come out, and uh, one of them's Morgan. Like a young, they were down for the Manly event. And they introduced me to Morgan, and I went, oh, okay, yeah. And I obviously started following him with Wilbur and. And I'm just super stoked to see a kid like that make it. It just goes it what it does is it opens up the possibilities for kids to go, Yeah, well, I don't have you know, I can do it. Like if, if Morgs can do it, then then I, oh, can I love do it, it mate. Know? And I mean no disrespect by saying who is he. I, I'm genuinely saying, no, you know, like, good, yeah. like this guy has done something that that kids like Jack Robbo who have had every opportunity, every cent thrown at him, it still takes him, you know, five years grafting just to get it get it happening. And here's this just you know, just this no-name uh, with just insane talent. It looks like a full-blown power surfer. He mm. looks like a pretty big dude. And, uh, you know, and He's got I one saw... of the most core anti-establishment freakazoids of all time as his mentor yeah. in shape. Oh, this, this could only end well, boy. <laughs> yes. I, I saw Hoy- Hoyo posted a shot of him the other day and just said, yes, bring on the tour 2020. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's, it's like a little rumbling from the 1980s, like... <laughs> The, the expat crazy scene that's about to get relit. The furnace, oh, mate. The furnace of burnouts are coming hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a lineage. Hoy, Will Webber, Nicky Wood. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh, mate. But great, yeah, great to see four guys yeah. on, like Jack Robinson, you know. I cannot wait to see Jack at Chopes. I cannot oh. wait to see Jack at Snapper. I obviously what he does at Muggs, you know, like the kid, who knows? He could win a world title. Like he's that good in good waves. Yeah. He's such a natural, like what he was doing at Sunset, what he does at Pipe, what he does at any wave of consequence is so natural. It's it's John Mm. John-esque. And if he goes in with some sort of knowledge and experience of how to win heats, which you kind of started to see now, and that's how he's qualified, but he's got his smarts about him. Fuck, the kid could be unstoppable. Oh, man, the Toomey's clip he dropped this year is just one of the most hecticest things you've ever seen in your life. And that was an eight-hour session, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure. We didn't – I think uh, Dorian said he had like a, a sip of water and it just went, yeah. went and got coned and, off and his dial for eight hours. the wildest thing, man, is that, you know, he's bringing that Italo vibe and the and the John John thing where mm. they just love it. They're just out there. Not They don't so much love the winning, although that's an aspect of it, but they're just – you know, I think on one of the days where they had the comp on hold – uh, you know, saying, oh, I'll come back in an hour, come back in an hour. Italo spent the entire morning surfing, you know, and he, he might have had to surf four or five times for the world title that day. Wow. He just didn't care. He was yeah. out there. And I think Jack's, you know, he's, he's got that, that same thing. Hey, he's just, just love it. And they the other thing, it. just don't, you know, I've heard criticism of Jack's sort of open faced uh, frontside car. Yeah, yeah. But don't, turn. don't be too critical of that because remember well, John John's one criticism when he was young and on tour was that he had the same weakness. Mm. Now nobody rips it what, top what, to bottom better. What weakness is that? It's sort of like uh, he, he's off, he's, he's 
open-faced frontside carve is lacking a little bit. It goes flat. It doesn't sort of do that thing there. John John's just Formula One, you know, right from the top of an eight-foot wave to the bottom. But I'm, I'm seeing it change. Like in the last year, it's it's almost gone already. And the hard part for Jack was the QS. So he's, he's made it through that. I mean, that's where all that stuff's mm. absolutely tested uh, to its nth degree. So he's oh, gotten through time. the QS. He's on the tour now. He's going to be surfing waves with power. G-Land, Pipeline, Chopes. I mean, Snapper's oh, going to be a test. Oh, my God. Ooh. I didn't even think. Think about Bell, that, Bells, mate. I think Bells will suit him because uh, there is that kind of Southern Ocean energy. It is a bit like West Oz esque, a bit Hawaii esque. Mm. Uh, so he can probably do some damage out there. We'll it, see. there. There's definitely, I think that's a big challenge for him, actually, Bells, that sort of wave. Because yeah. like, a lot of the guys, even who have uh, come from overseas, have spent a lot of time at Bells. Like they, junior surfers, if, they, if it's been part of their whole career, they've done so many years. At Bell's, Aussie yeah. kids in particular. I'm, I don't think I've ever even seen Jack down there. Don't know. Yeah, mm. I don't know about Jack at Bell's. Should be interesting. And uh, Mikey Wright, fit and healthy in 2020. Yes. I'm, I'm hoping anyway. So yeah, but... Looking good, Ryan Callan. Is he, we is got he a on? strong team. Is Mikey on? I'm assuming so. He, he must surely be back, right? Well, there's, there's three, isn't there three or four guys who's, coming for this injury wildcard? Is Mikey one of them? Oh, okay. So who's uh, who's in the running for that, do you know? Le- Leo. Leo. Yeah. Adriana D'Souza. Susie, he'll, he'll have to get one. Well, he was a world champ. So. Mm. Yeah. Mikey Wright. And I don't know if there's a four. I think they'll give it to Mikey over uh, Leo. Leo. Mm. Oh, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm <laughs> saying that, but I feel like I heard it whispers that that might happen. I did hear them talking about it on, a, yeah. on the, the webcast, and I, I thought it was, you know, like if you think about the guys that are in vogue at the moment, it would be Leo and, and Mikey, but it's got nothing about being in vogue. It's like if a world champion has legitimately hurt himself like Adriano has, regardless of whoever he's been around mm-hmm. for a while, he probably is the guy who's going to get it first. Yeah. And then between those two, I was almost thinking, well, shit, who, who do you give it to? Like it comes, it's so, yeah. and when Renato started to talk about it, um, it was it was almost like they take so many things into consideration like the the rehab, the the what the grade of the injury was, what their results were before that. Do they it's, take? It's quite intense. Does the nickname come into it? Because you, you're so. going to you're going to pick the mongrel, the Su- mullet-headed mad. You're going to you're going to pick Susie and the mongrel <laughs> any day of the week. Susie and the mongrel. It sounds like a uh, sitcom that's coming out next mm. year on Channel Nine, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Or a uh, tune in of... on Thursday for a latest episode of Susie, Susie and, and the, the mongrel. mongrel. <laughs> Sounds like a uh, punk band from uh, North London in the uh, early 80s. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, uh, I've got to give that a massive over. Australia's Huge over. Uh, massive surfing over. future looking very bright. Mad. Except for one thing, the next topic. Yes. The Brazilian storm continues to blow. Uh, wow. I mean, looking looking into my crystal ball and it's looking uh, it's looking like green and gold. And not for the foreseeable future. <laughs> not and not, uh, and nah. not the Aussie green and gold. I mean, there's none of it left anyway. It's all got up in smoke. <laughs> it's a fucking parched landscape of black and charred koalas. <laughs> you can smell it. Oh, no. That's really sad. That's yeah. real sad, man. Mm. I saw a koala the other night. I was so pumped. It was, you know. Up the coast. This is so weird. I was driving home. It was like one in the morning. And I was driving into Crescent Head and fucking blow me down there's a koala crossing the road and i was and you ran it down oh mate couldn't get over it couldn't couldn't get to it quick enough (laughs) no it was uh it was crossing the road i was just it it gave me the same buzz as like watching the pipe masters final (laughs) it it did i was just going what a koala because you know 
Yeah. Like Smithy said, they're just, there was, it's a real thing that they could be in dire straits after these fires. It's like, a, it's they could a, be gone, It's mate. a sad reality that you don't, like even though you look at the fires and, and you look what they're doing, you don't often take the time to sit and think about that poor animal and, oh, the, and just the fear and the just. Yeah, it's hectic. How's the mama? The mama who saved the koala. You see that footage that of that fucking queen on your queen running out there, <laughs> picking up the koala, like, you yeah. know, risking her life, risking her skin, uh, feeding it water and the, yeah. the, the, the koala, the vision of that koala sucking back H2O out of a water bottle and yeah. spitting it out. And then that, oh, man, I'm almost tearing up even talking about it. And yeah. then the koala died. And I I, I, oh, I don't know. No. Just, just you know, I know it sounds like a bit of a stretch to say, like, seeing a koala in the wild. Speaking of a bit of a stretch, we started talking about uh, the Brazilian storm well, and we're wait. talking about their future I, I, of koalas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to full circle this. Uh, when I saw the koala and I, and I thought, it buzzed me out. Like, I got home, I had an adrenaline rush because I was going, this is epic. I love koalas. You thought about Italo's tattoo? No, I thought about Italo's screaming. Because have you ever actually heard a koala scream? I'll give you a sound bite right now. Ready? And this is Italo after he won the world title. Listen to this. <laughs> Full circle, mate. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon Italo and koalas have gone to the same vo- uh, voice coach. You think they've kind of fused the, the, the koala spirit? <laughs> yeah, he's mate. raging in Italo. He's our, uh, he's our green and gold spirit animal. Oh. Flying the flag for our... Italo koala, that's what we'll start calling Species. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that was incredible. We were on the Brazilian story. Oh, yeah, 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 it's a numbers yeah. game, surely. I mean, you look at, uh, just look at the population of a city like Sao Paulo. They have 30 million people in it. That's the population of Australia. That's one city mm. in Brazil. The uh, 209 million people in that country, uh, 60% of which live along the coastline. So, I mean, when surfing takes hold in a, a country of that sheer magnitude of people, fuck, they're going to be a force, man. And, man, what, three world, three of the f- last five world champs have been from there and or five world title winners, I should say. I think um, John John's got two, Gabe, Italo and uh, mm. Susie. And, mate, it's been a long time since we've had an Aussie. I mean, right now, if, if you were uh, an up-and-coming or easily influenced sort of young person and you were just getting into surfing, I mean, you'd be looking at Steph Gilmore and Sally Fitz and those sorts of people for your heroes, wouldn't you? Because yeah. what's Owen and Julian doing? Mm. Hey? Mm. Spending too much time in the mirror, <laughs> obsessing over receding hairlines, I'd say. <laughs> Can't, Joycey. No, for sure. I mean, the boys don't. For the five steps, you know what they mm. are. Mm. Yeah, Denial, we... anger, acceptance, helping others. That's, That's four. Oh, did I say five? Yeah. Well, the, the last one's just anger and denial rolled into one again. <laughs> Fuck! I can't believe I'm still bald! <laughs> Every time I see someone with a nice haircut, I'm like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> like Charlie Medina. Yeah, oh, yeah, mate. He's got great hair. Hasn't he? Doesn't he? Isn't he intense little, like, what's the steamy? McSteamy. Just touching, I mean, and this is part of the Brazilian Storm conversation. You look at the support crews, I mean, it's atypical in the modern age, uh, to have a family member, a stepfather at that, uh, who's Medina, he's Gabe Medina's everything, uh, Charlie Medina. And that, that's an interesting dynamic in itself. You know, they are so rolled up in this uh, world title race together. Mm. They're, they're inseparable everywhere Medina is. You see Charlie on the beach pacing up and up and down the uh, sand. And 
I, I love it. I love seeing it. It's uh, such an emotional, beautiful uh, connection man, that they have. I, I want to ask Bainey this because this is something we've talked about on the show a lot. Um, you know, you've spoken about what it's like uh, when you got a bit older and Billy was starting to surf. Mm. We've gone through that conversation a lot about sort of, you know, the role that parents are playing. But what about in your day? Was there anyone who had their parents in their corner back when you were first coming onto the scene? I think uh, Damien Hardman's dad had a lot to do with running of surfing. No, but he, da- was he, he did, but he had nothing to do with we're pushing Damien. Or, no, or so like was, dri- there, was there anyone him? who he had that did, vision? Like, was there media. anyone in your no, time I, who... No, I can't remember that there was. I, I mean, family only, like family on the tour probably, mm. only got introduced... Um, by Tom Curran, I think was one of the first ones, and myself and Fabio Gavea were were the other, mm. because I I remember staying like next door to Fabio and and his wife and and they had little Ian who was there now on tour, mm. and I remember you know like hearing him crying and all I could hear was Ian Ian <laughs> shut up <laughs> fucking heat in the morning shut up Ian. But uh, yeah, we were sort of early adopters to take family, you know. And but uh, so, so in your so day, it's the, only just come, the contribution of parents was drinking so much at home that the kids just want to get the fuck out of there and get on tour. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. quietly incentive. Pretty much, so it's changed a lot in that regard for sure. Mm, yeah, right. But typically yeah. on tour, you know, you've got highly paid coaches, you know, people who are emotionally detached from the competitor, mm. and then the Brazilians kind of flip that on its head, or at least uh, Medina does, and it's proved a winning formula for him. I mean, I, talk to us about. Just uh, how it's it's potentially messy, you know, with family uh, enmeshed in your your tour success. Oh man, like tennis is the is the ultimate example of like where it goes pear shaped really quickly. Because... What do you mean, Demir Dokic was not the? Uh, <laughs> well, I just think that like picture of professionalism that like these. These people, these role models, they, they start to get involved in the career and then they start to enjoy the fringe benefits that come along with that. Uh, they start to feel the pressure as well. And so, you know, like when it's contract time, if they've sort of got their fingers in all that sort of stuff, you, the, 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 basically the pathways for it to go pear-shaped are just everywhere. And eventually, yeah, eventually, yeah. man, like I think who has been able to pull it off long-term? Like for, seeing it through from the start of someone's career to the end. Can you think of a single parent who's still there at the end, like still trying to help manage, you know, a Roger Federer or a Nadal or you know what I mean? Like No, but I kind of, you know, I don't know, this could be a weird way of looking at it, mm. but I kind of see that the the way the Brazilians are doing it and I liken when the Brazilians first came on tour as well, it was, there was the own little underlying Brazilian storm when we did it and they were really supportive of each other and they were like a family even though they didn't have family with them. They were their own family, yeah, which I really love. And I think yeah. that's really strong and it's still there. It's beautiful, To yeah. the point where I almost thought, well, well those yellow T-shirts and those tie-dye T-shirts, did they all come together in the end? Because fucking maybe they did. No, they did. Well, that was yeah, they're Brazilians, you know, they're, and, yeah. and their family. So I kind of, uh, you know, I think it was earlier in the year, I went up to Snapper and I was with my wife, Kath, and I was up there to get my Masters trophy. You'll be uh, I was at the Bottolo and the and the supermarket <laughs> round at South Tweed and, and I seen Felipe's dad and uh, Felipe and another Felipe and another Felipe and there was about 20 of them and I thought, fuck, how kind of cool is that? You know, mm. that they have the ability to all be together. So I think there's a different um, persona to this or a, a different um, thing happening where in those countries, family means everything. In our culture, it's almost like, we discard our family when they get older and, and we're not as tight 
as other cultures. So I see that there's a beauty in what they've got. And the thing is, like, it used to be a very individualistic um, pursuit being a pro surfer, and that's why there was a lot of casualties for us young guys because we didn't have mentors mm. and people around us that were there for the right reasons. Mm. And we we got lost, wow. and it was hard to navigate that. Whereas I think the beauty of this, these kids coming through, they've instantly got family, even if they don't have their own. They have mentorship. They have support. They're behind each other. So I think this is a different dynamic of how it can help and the other thing, like going back to when we talked about how when you're on your own and you have this passion and you almost feel like you're doing it on your own and, and, and you're lonely and you're inside your head and you're chewing all these thoughts up trying to reach that goal, that's not as healthy as having all these people around you that you love and mm. take your time up and you just feel like, yeah, I am living my best life, as Italo says right now. So, that's so cool. I, I kind of feel really strongly that they're kind of doing it in a right yeah. way. I think it's changed. Yeah. Mm. So. That's unreal, man. And uh, I think, insight. you know, it's, it's, I guess it's like slightly cynical to sort of pull out this, I don't know, negative look at it where you're going at some point. But at some point, right, these guys have to get older. Like they're going to be doing it on their own. Yeah, yeah, it's, true. It's just like, true. How, how does that affect the relationship? But I guess that's, you know, that's a personal journey. That's yeah. not really I mean, if you've got an overbearing soccer mum or dad and they're, you know, telling you how to do things, they're yelling at you out in the lineup mm. and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, a lot of people can relate Charlie Medina to being that. Well, but we, we wrote this story in White Horses mm. and uh, it was a family issue. So it was all about family. And they did a story on um, Charlie and Gabriel. Not mm. so much about Gabriel, but about Charlie. You know, where did he come from? Mm. How did he come into Gabriel's life? And Charlie made a commitment to Gabriel when he was very young and he came into his life that he was going to help him become a world champion. And he committed to that and he's strongly committed to that. And he, and, he, and he often said, like in this interview, he said, you know, people kind of get down on me that, that I'm always driving him too hard, but I made a commitment to his family and to him. And at the end of the day, I, I, I haven't only gained a world champion, but I've gained a son. It's beautiful, And I just man. thought that was fucking, fucking so Because he's not his biological father, you know? No, but he's gained a son. Mm. And I thought that the end of that little story, it just felt... Fuck, I, 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 I could tear up thinking about yeah, it because it is, man. And, there's and, so much love in that. You and, know? and being a... I don't know what happened to Medina's biological father, but, man, growing up with a single mother and not having a, a father figure in your life is fucking soul-destroying for a kid. And, and you know... You kind of the people like Charlie are so important in this world. Those guys who fill that void and take that responsibility on, and a lot of men are fucking too cowardly to do it. Um, and so, mate, all the respect and, and love to the guy. In the How world. can our crew who are listening Bane get hold of that? Can you get it? Can you actually go online or, or somewhere with white horses and buy a copy of that? Oh, you just that, get, yeah, go back and buy a. a it was just um, the, an issue or two ago. Issue. It was called Ohana. Um, it's got this picture of a dolphin family going through the water, which oh, is quite, yeah. quite spiritual and beautiful. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's got Mikey. Dolphins Fenwick. are notorious rapists. Yeah. <laughs> <I didn't know laughs> but no, they can go online to whitehorses.com and okay. com. Because I, I think that subscribe. If, if you're wanting to get a, a real insight and not just sort of be this sort of uh, fucking shit shooter from the sidelines and find out a little bit about how that dynamic works, that's a really good thing to do. Mm. Check it out. Yeah, cheers, man. Um, but yeah, I, the the other thing that you know, the trust between those two is so rock solid, mate. Because the second Medina uh, Charlie yelled out, "Burn him!" in that 
that pipe quarter against Kyo. Or... How's the smile on Medina's dial when he heard those words yeah. ringing out from the shoreline? But the... the thumb went up and he just went, Yelp, Yelte! <laughs> Burn? I can do that. <laughs> Kill? Interestingly, <laughs> too, within the Brazilian storm, that rivalry between Kyo and Medina, I mean, it's one-way traffic at the moment. Kyo's yeah. uh, extending the olive branch and it's going straight in Medina's mouth. He's just <laughs> chewing it up and spitting it back <laughs> in his face. But, uh, I mean, you wonder... Those two guys uh, came up together, obviously, in the King of the Groms uh, final there in France. It was the first we knew of them. Kayo ah, uh, versus Medina. Ooh. And uh, Medina dropped the perfect 20. Yeah. And Kayo uh, posted before the, their heat a picture of the two of them, you know, locked arms, looking at the camera in this really beautiful moment. But uh, I don't know what's happened since. And I'm interested in uh, Medina's kind of outlook on all these things. He, he fully is from that. Pot's era, your era of surfing, Bainey, uh, where he's, you know, he is the top dog on tour. And I feel like mm. part of that is treating the younger guys like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, like, Pot, Pots did that. Well, it, like everyone from your uh, era did that. Like, it's, well, from what I understand, like, or well, not everyone, but I, like I, the top dogs at that point. I mean, who did we have on the show? Uh, uh, was it Oki, I think, uh, was talking about coming on tour and yeah. and um, just, you know, those guys were psychos. Yeah. They were breathing down your neck. They were putting yeah. a blowtorch on you. The funniest your... thing is it's always the same old story. You've got you've got the, uh, this is when we have, you know, guys of, of Bainey's ilk on. They always go, you know, I came on tour, I got treated like shit. They thought I was a fucking idiot. And then yet somewhere later on down the combo, you go, so uh, the momentum generation, how do you feel when those guys come on tour? Oh, I hated those pricks. No, it's like this. <laughs> Mate, they didn't show me any respect at all. <laughs> they didn't, They didn't like, you know, appreciate my efforts and all this and that. I'm like, I'm fucking, like, you can't have it both ways, mate. You, you were definitely treating them like shit as well. What, yeah. was your, what was your biggest fucking, you know, who did you just rinse one day? You must have done it. You had to have. Well, it's probably. A grommet, I mean. Oh, Gromit. Who is this uppity little... I was going to regale, like, pots to me, but I probably, yeah, I yeah, probably we don't want the victim. We don't want the victim story. We, no, want, we, the, want, we want the aggressive, the aggressive <laughs> the story. The oppressor. Bainey the oppressor. Like, we know that you've had a couple with Kelly over the years, but, like, who was, like, someone coming through where you were just like, I'm just going to rinse this guy purely oh, on aggression? I can't stand this uppity prick. You know what? I, I can't pick one out, but I'm going to say it's just every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> If uh, I could use priority, I use priority. Like as Jed said, I was there to win. Yeah, and and I think I did learn that pretty early on from from guys like Potts. You know, yeah. we similar to when those paddle battles go at the beginning of the heat. And I might have told this story before. I'll tell it real quick. Mm. But I think it was a quarterfinal or a semi. It was nineteen eighty nine. Potts is on a roll. He was virtually unstoppable. Yeah, even when he was bad, the judges thought he was good. It was just there was so much aura and everything around him. It was it was incredible. Yeah. And uh, we just went at it. And it was one of those things that as soon as the hooter went, for some reason I wanted to get that side, he wanted to get that side, and we just paddled straight into each other. And from that point on, it was a fucking war. Mm. Like it was a full-on war. He, Did um, you feed it to him, Bainey? A couple of Spanish bows to the <laughs> dial? Both at each other. But it was like angry and to the point where I thought there's all this like thousand people along the shoreline at Lackanau where the tide goes right out. and mm. They're all there on this bank watching this heat just there in front of them. And we're going at it, just paddling into each other, spitting at each other, like going, fuck you, Potts, they fucking overscored you on that wave. And he goes, why don't you put some power into your surfing, you little prick? And then I feel him spit behind my back and I'm like, fuck you. And he's like, fuck you. And I was just on the whole time. Anyway, he beat me. But um, 
we got into shore and I said to my mates who were over there backpacking at the time, I, I said, fuck, it's got to be a brawl. And Potts came in, we shook hands and got on with it. No, but it was, right. yeah, That's it was cool. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Love that. Well, uh, Brazilian Storm continue to, continues to blow. I'm going to have to... We have to give it an over. Credit where credit's due, man. You know, it's a, a country in in turmoil. It's a it's a it's a it's a haggard old nation, man. It's brutal over there. So I'm giving it. I've got the grit. Yeah, I'm giving Go it on. over too because I, I think that um th- that world title battle uh with, with every single year uh and heat and performance that we see like Italo and Gabe in that that uh, fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> Coliseum, whatever you want to call it, but in that sort of atmosphere, it just chips away at the bias and the fucking that ancient, Absolutely. stupid, yeah. fucking racist, like you know, just the the zillas of this and fuck them and all. You know, it just it, it it tears it down heat by heat because you can't deny how fucking exciting and how good those guys are. Yeah, and I reckon that's a healthy thing for everyone. Like, it's just there's no, it's just such an ancient way to think. Like you got to get over that. I'm going to give it an over, like a pretty good over, but only if we see an Australian subbly buster just come up the coast. Ah, oh, like that. Well played. <laughs> the Australian subbly buster. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, the problem with subbly busters is they only hang around for a morning or an afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Jack Robinson versus Zeke Loud debacle at sunset uh, in the final. Uh I mean, hectic. So hectic. Oh. Vaney, I'd love to get your read on this because can you imagine uh, in your day with all that was on the line for Zeke in that heat, um, say it was someone like Johnny Boy Gomes or Sonny Garcia and and you did that to them, you know, get in their way as they're exiting a tube uh, with their tour career on the line and, you know, stop them from getting a nine-point ride. Like, what happens to you in that situation? Because <laughs> uh, that was essentially the modern-day equivalent of yeah, that. Yeah, identical. Mate, I probably would, yeah, I wouldn't be sitting here if, if that <laughs> happened, I don't reckon. Yeah. Um, yeah, we surfed heats with those guys at the time and it was like, you know, even from them to their caddies in the water, it was it was very intimidating. They were super, you know, like your Johnny boys, your sonnies. It was it was, it was was heavy, you know, for guys like me and Munger and or Dummer or any of us little howlies to surf against those guys in, in those conditions was always super stressful and super aggressive and hard work, like real hard work. I think the thing with Jack was um, he spent so much time there, you know, since a little kid. He's proved his mettle out of all, all, in all of those conditions. I think he goes out with a local girl maybe. Um, so he spends a lot of time. So he's probably treated like a bit of a local. He's not like this little Howie that sort of come in for the season and, and he's back mm. out again. So I think there's a real respect there mm. for Jack. So, which would have helped in that circumstance. Um, I still thought it was very um, manly of Zeke to handle it the way he handled it because mm. that was a huge, massive moment. And um, I'm kind of really um, interested to s- understand why they didn't call it an interference because, one, I think Jack was innocent, but, two, I think within the rules of what it should have been, it potentially should have been called a paddling interference on Jack. Because he made it seemed like he made no way. Like if you looked at it, it almost feels like he he made no attempt to get out of the way. Mm. That couldn't be right because I couldn't imagine Jack would ever think to do something. Really like that. though, I mean, come on, it's, it's Jack's uh, world tour future on the line here, 
and he somehow managed to be in the exact, you know, square foot of space where Zeke was going to come flying out of the tube. And, you know, having spent time in the water with Jack and a lot of these guys, what I've come to notice is, like, there's, nothing's really a coincidence. You know, these guys read the ocean so well uh, that they, they know where to be. They've always put themselves in the right spot and, in this occasion, the wrong spot. I, you know, I love Jack and fair play to him because he got away with it. It's great, uh, great strategy, great gamesmanship. But I find it really hard to believe that that was an accident, that that was a coincidence. Mm. I mean, why, why did he paddle for the exit of the tube? Why didn't he paddle for the foam and just cop it on the head? I what don't know, but I, I, I cannot for the life of me think that Jack would do something like that. He just, to me, I don't know him well enough, but just everything about him spells out to me that he just does things in the spur of the moment and is just like... Almost Asperger's in the way that he's so focused in on just the waves and surfing and catching more waves and ripping that he doesn't, and that's probably why it's taken him so long to get to the stage is because he doesn't read situations or have that competition nous to read it properly because he's so in the zone, just wants to catch waves and surf. Mm. I don't know. I just can't. I for me, I can't. I can't fathom the thought that he did that on purpose. It doesn't change my opinion of him. Like either way, uh, you know, like I said, fair play. I'm blown away that in a sense. I'm blown away they didn't call it that. Yeah, like I absolutely. I that, that was it. That it. was like if he makes that tube, that was like a, a high nines, like yeah. mid nines. It turned like, the whole. Heat. I, I thought he fell off halfway through the tube, and then he somehow like kind of looked like the foam ball shot him back onto his feet, and he come kind of flying out the exit. Well, that would have changed the whole rhythm of the final. 100%. And Zeke would, you know, very likely still be on the world tour. And as it is, he's now back to the QS with no guarantees to even get back to the top fight. So, complete sliding doors moment Mm. in that dude's career. Blake? Ah, just, my, we had Richie Porter on the the show, uh, one of our live shows. Um, Just a reminder, we'll be dropping him through summer. No sweats, Williams, you'll get them all. But, uh, yeah, we asked Richie and he Richie was just Porter like... Richie Porter being the, the former the WSL former head ASP, judge. Uh, WSL head judge. And he just said, look, it looks to me like he's made an effort to try and, you know, avoid getting smashed. And he, he said it's a 50-50 call. But why does Zeke get penalised in that situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unfair. Uh, that's madness. I, I think, that, that, that mm. makes I, fucking just, not a lick of sense. Nah, but I'm with Bainey. I, I think, uh, you know, now that it's all said and done and you see this... There's so many grey areas in surfing. You just can't you can't apply that that framework of rules and have it work perfectly. Yeah, every sometimes single it's time. about the vibe, Vaughn. Sometimes about- <laughs> it is about the vibe. It's about the spirit. Just get Fuck those, the spirit, man. Get those singing bowls happening, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think that uh, it, my takeaway from the whole thing is that Zeke. Not only is he an epic surfer, geez, he can take one on the chin, and and I think he yeah, just uses was, it for motivation. He's just there's no way he's not getting back on tour. Like he, he's got, I think a Bell's win in him probably like way late in his like late thirties, kind of like Sunny, where he'll just muscle out and and just kind of own those big open face walls. Like, but who to want, be that who, good at sunset and to like you know they're, they're the guys who who perform at Bell's too. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, but who wants to be back on that QS? No, I mean, that's just like. But he's got no. He's got that's that's his life journey right now. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Like, you know, he 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 hasn't got uh, a trip up to the mountains to sort himself out coming up. He's no, got, he knows where he's, he's at. got animal competitive fire in him, and and he'll be back. That QS, you know, it's just you look at the standard of surfing that's there. Like well, Le- a- Liam O'Brien and and Matt Banting. Oh and, man, and Zeke, and you know, they're for sure. It is Stu heavy. Kennedy oh, just I lost think- in the quagmire of uh, 
It's a trillion Brazilians you've never heard of. It's a black hole, isn't it? You're in there. Once you're in there, if, if you don't sort of like get straight back into the good zone, like get those uh, high seeds and, and place well in uh, what's going to be called the Challenger Series next year, I think they're calling 10,000s, you, you can be gone for a long time. And your, yeah. your stickers change and all of a sudden your hair's gone. And next thing, you don't look as cool as you once did when you throw an air rev on the shorey. You, mm. you look sticky and old and it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not a good good sight, you know. And and every single year, man, there's a whole other wave of generation of young kids who are wanting it, who have uh, just no hang-ups at all about how they're going or what they need. And they're doing what Morgan's doing. Mm. They're, just, they're just there at the end of the year and you're just like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah. Overall, make, make the most of it. Yeah. Don't forget how to dance when you get to the party. Mm. That's what I reckon. Mm. Over or under on the uh, on the call? Uh, under on the call for sure. But I mean, you know, they as got the an call Australian. Wrong. Yeah, it's under. it's it's an under mm. for sure. So hard, isn't it? I'm gonna have to go. Yeah, I think they got the call wrong. But uh, far out, man. Jack Robbo's on tour. No, you. <laughs> <laughs> Tulsi Watch Vaughn. You beauty. We believe. We can believe. In Tulsi. She hates the war, she defends the poor. We believe, we can believe, it's Tulsi. She's no reptile or chump, she's no Hillary or Trump. We believe, we can believe, it's Tulsi. She's the kind and she's kind, she won't toe the line. She'll put her boot and her scorn, bear up corpo corn. She's our swelly and queen, she's gonna change the scene. We believe, we can believe, it's Halsey. That's right, the swelly and queen herself votes present, which is neither for nor against the impeachment of Swelling. Trump. Swelling's been blown up, Q, been copping a few messages. Yeah, Q rich woke educated left wing pests bombarding my Instagram account, whinging. <laughs> Fuck off, leave me alone, please. <laughs> Man, look, I just I, I don't know a whole lot about American politics. I, I've done enough reading and and uh, you know scoped out Tulsi enough to know what she stands for. Let's let's, 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 let's drop in. Let's drop in what she had to say right now. Ah. Exactly. Let's find out exactly what she stands for. Throughout my life, whether through serving in the military or in Congress, I've always worked to do what is in the best interest of our country, not what's best for me politically, not what's best for my political party. No, I've always put our country first. One may not always agree with my decisions, but everyone should know that I will always do what I believe to be right for the country that I love. So after doing my due diligence and reviewing the 658 page impeachment report, I came to the conclusion that I could not in good conscience vote either yes or no. I am standing in the center and decided to vote present. I could not in good conscience vote against impeachment because I believe President Trump is guilty of wrongdoing. I also could not in good conscience vote for impeachment because removal of a sitting president must not be the culmination of a partisan process fueled by tribal animosities that have so gravely divided our country. So when I cast my vote in support of the impeachment inquiry nearly three months ago, I said that in order to maintain the integrity of this solemn undertaking, it must not be a partisan endeavor. Tragically, that's what it has been. On the one side, 
The president's defenders are insisting that he has done nothing wrong. They agree with this absurd proclamation that his conduct was, quote unquote, perfect. They've abdicated their responsibility to exercise legitimate oversight and are instead blindly doing the bidding of their party's leader. On the other side, the president's opponents insist that if we do not impeach, our country will collapse into dictatorship. All but explicitly, they accuse him of treason. This extreme rhetoric was never conducive to an impartial fact-finding process. Now, the founders of our country made very clear their concerns about impeachment being a purely partisan exercise. In the Federalist Papers, Alexander Hamilton warned against any impeachment that would merely, quote, connect itself with the pre-existing factions and enlist all their animosities, partialities, influence, and interest on one side or on the other. In such cases, he said, there will always be the greatest danger that the decision will be regulated more by the comparative strength of parties than by the real demonstrations of innocence or guilt. Donald Trump has violated the public trust. Congress must be unequivocal in denouncing the president's misconduct and stand up for the American people and our democracy. To this end, I've introduced a censure resolution that will send a strong message to this president and future presidents that their abuses of power will not go unchecked while leaving the question of removing Trump from office to the voters to decide. I'm confident that the American people will decide to deliver a resounding rebuke of President Trump's innumerable improprieties and abuses, and they will express that judgment at the ballot box. That's the way real and lasting change has always occurred in this great country, through the forcefully expressed will of the people. A house divided cannot stand. Today, we are divided. Fragmentation and polarity are ripping our country apart. This breaks my heart and breaks the hearts of all patriotic Americans, whether we are Democrats, Republicans, or independents. So today, I come before you to make a stand for the center, to appeal to all of you to bridge our differences and stand up for the American people. My vote today is a vote for much needed reconciliation and hope that together we can heal our country. Let's work side by side, seeking common ground to usher in a bright future for the American people and our country. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, I'll continue to back Tulsi. I mean, look at it like this, right? I come from a family where, you know, half of them are your kind of uh, Trump voting like your like equivalent of you know like the Aussie equivalent of that they're the rural working class people they've fucking been grinding it out uh, and you know just barely keeping ahead of their mortgage repayments they're under so much debt pressure uh, and then half my family's like hardcore socialist feminist fucking you know kind of pinko screamo type so I'm like <laughs> I'm in the middle there with Tulsi and I totally get it like it's it, the people need to decide. Let the people decide. Don't let fucking screamo bourgeois political elites decide. It's it's not their right. Mm. Let the people decide. Let it go to an election. I fucking hate Trump as next as uh, as much as the next person. 
But yeah, I'd rather the American people decide yeah, it. And we the, it reeks of a, a huge waste of time and money, and it also draws the focus of of the media. Like the media cycle will just gobble this up, and you'll hear about nothing else for the next fucking six months or however long this impeachment thing goes for. Uh, my problem with it is just like, is it? And and I'm not one for conspiracies really, but like it just seems too convenient that you know uh, after the Democrats have had like so much airtime, everyone talking about. You know, like how well Tulsi's going against all odds and, and, you know, people have fallen away like Kamala Harris and all that sort of stuff. And now there won't be a fucking word about it. There won't be any talk about this. And it's like, you know, it's going to be all about Trump again. And, you know, what, what's to be gained here? What are they actually going to achieve? All they're going to achieve is that he's going to still be there for the next election. All this stuff is going to be a fucking huge waste of time designed to sell fucking... Mm. The, the news. Hey Jed, I, I don't know enough about politics, but um, the one thing I can see is it is it is it virtually impossible for anyone that has the right thing at heart and 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 the right attributes to do a good job. Is it virtually impossible for them to make it to like power of office yeah, well, to, to to be in leadership with the corporate ownership of uh, the media and the politics and like all these like super PAC donations. It's pretty hard for an honest grassroots person to succeed, but Tulsi Gabbard is that. She doesn't take any donations from any of the corporates. Um, you know, she's fucking, in my opinion, she's like the female Gandhi. Uh, she's just ugh, fucking an absolute force of nature. Uh, and, you know, there's a, an old Native American saying that the left uh, and right wing are part of the same bird. And I totally agree. It's, it's, it's not left versus right. They'll have you believe it's left versus right, but it's not. It's fucking rich versus poor. And it's always been that way. And I think uh, Tulsi stands for the people. And so, yeah, I side with uh, anyone who's, you know, sold with the people and, and mm. is just willing to try and unify us instead of divide us. Yeah, and it's so easy to just, like, look at someone like Trump and go, bad guy, why isn't she, you know, ripping the boot into him? It's but, like the fucking working class of America voted yeah. for Trump. So, you know, why is that? Uh, ask yourself that question. <laughs> exactly, man. Anyway, over for Tulsi, voting president. Mad. We're back in it. Swelly and queen. Equinor gets approval to drill for oil off Australia. That's a massive under, you fucking... Under. Like, if I'm just literally so beyond baffled that we can have months, like, like ongoing protests, have an entire day, like, a, a, a you know, a day of paddle-outs, thousands and thousands of people all around the country paddling out into the ocean to protest something and just getting completely ignored. Like, mm. literally ignored. No coverage in the media. No coverage. Zero. Z oh, we, uh, even the media coverage was just, at best, like, token. You know, no one really getting to the to the root of it all. I uh, spent just I spent years then, pitching stories, like, literally two to three years pitching stories on this to, you know, the main papers on, on both the left and right yeah. wing and just crickets. It blows my Nothing. mind, man, know about that it. we can just... The, the, it's the language, the weaponization of, of victim, the victim mentality by, like, you know, by... Privileged 
upper class business. You know that that whole world is fucking doing on my the head left in. and the right. They're the same. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's two sides of the but same man, coin, mate. The bourgeois, bro. <laughs> it just I cannot believe that we can have that much people power, grassroots people power, trying to tell our leaders who we elected this is something we do not want. Like, and they're going. No, this isn't a time for panic, like patronising us, talking us down, telling mm. us what's good for us. Like, it's just so ridiculously uh, disenchanting, man. Like, you, you, you're looking at the leadership of, of this country and going, how are you doing this? How are you doing this right now while this entire country is burning? Like, mm. so, yeah, bushfires, like... like, a like conti- it's, so It's like, yeah. how? <laughs> how can you be doing this when we've all spoken... Who is in favour of of this business going ahead? The logic is this: from the the mining magnates and the oil tycoons, they will say to you, "Yeah, but you know, you drove to this protest in a car that runs on oh, fuel. That's ridiculous. Uh, you know, your surfboards are made out of polyurethane, and uh, your wetsuits are made out of neoprene, and these are uh, petroleum byproducts. But the fact is this, mate." If, uh, you know, I'd be driving to that protest in a fucking solar car or an electric car if they're affordable and on the market, but they've been withheld by the oil tycoons and the, the corporate fucks that run the, the world and politics. So uh, it's, a, it's a bunk argument. And they'll say the same thing. I remember there was a big uh, kind of protest down there in Melbourne recently. Um, there were all the, all the kind of Hessians and that were blockading a... Uh, a big mining conference and, you know, the, the, the miners were saying, you know, yeah, but you've all got iPhones. So you're protesting against these minerals that are contained in your phones. But it's like bring something to market that doesn't have uh, coltan in it that's, you know, led to mm. 6 million deaths in the Congo. Give us something <clears> that, you know, you can't exist without a mobile phone. It's ridiculous. You can't <laughs> have a job. You can't take part in the economy in this fucking warped capitalist, uh, late-stage capitalist shit show without these products. It's just not possible. So where... As a consumer, we're in a between a rock and a hard place. But that said, we've also fucking mm. junked working class solidarity. It, it, is it? Is it? A, we're, we're, we're not pure. They're right. We, are, it, we do have to have a fucking good hard look at ourselves, especially surfers who are jetting around the planet, uh, chasing swells and just blowing so much carbon emissions into the globe. Like, I mean, that's also true. Like, surfers, pro surfers, top line surfers probably have some of the worst carbon footprints on the planet. Yeah, but the technology exists where we don't have to just be relying on that sort of fucking fuel. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you said, there's a reason why these things keep getting the go ahead, and there's a reason why the prime minister takes a lump of coal into into fucking parliament and says, like, "Oh, are you scared of this? Why are you scared of this?" This is so. I heard the other day someone mention it as you know, we now got climate anxiety. So it's just a, another thing that's just affecting people because they're so scared. Is that what you call this of- cough from all this smoke, Bainey? That's climbing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like it's, <laughs> like how, how long can you kick a dog before it bites you, you know? Mm. And um, I, I see the general public as that dog and they're just getting kicked and kicked and kicked yeah. by by someone who's not in a position where they really should be doing it. And it's I, I just feel that it's, maybe it's a timing thing where at some stage there'll be a revolution. And maybe that's starting to happen now. And instead of having isolated pockets of, of protest, um, whether it's for the Adani or whether it's for the Bight or whether it's for, you know, another mine or whatever it be, that somehow this volume of people that feel disenchanted. The yellow vests. Start to get Get mo- your yellow vest on, Swellians. Start to get motivated and rise up and then they can't be ignored because mm. maybe the small pockets are being ignored. But if it, if it becomes a one, yeah. somehow... That has to happen. So oh, it's hopefully, it's, it's, it's the, on its, it's way. It's the patronising 
of the leadership. Yeah, it's that, that just, just kills me. And it's a generational, bullshit. it's a oh. generational thing too. You know, there's you got the boomers and you got everyone else. So, uh, which brings us nicely to uh, our final segment of the day, because Bane, you said you know, when you kick a dog, you're bound to get bit. Well, you've kicked the dog, so now you're going to get bit. Okay, Boomer, here comes the Nuna, straight at your throat, like a glass schooner. Okay, Boomer, you all good there? Enjoying your shiny trinkets? You're not concerned? You might fucking sink it! Okay, Boomer, how's your twilight years? Sitting in luxury European vehicles, shifting gears. Okay, Boomer, how's them investments? Did coal help you reach your goal? Did riding stocks put some blood in your flaccid cocks? Did oil deliver you the spoils? Did being a landlord help you hoard? Did selling out cure your gout? Do you feel better now? You're a useless cash cow. Okay, Boomer, we get it. You worked hard. You weren't always a useless fat white tub of lard. You paid your dues, bought in when it was cheap, made a heap. But fuck, cunt, didn't they tell you? When you're dead, you don't get to keep it. Okay, Boomer, you'll be gone soon. Leaving every other generation to howl at the moon on a cooked planet full of craters. YOLO, you'll say. Fuck the haters. Okay, Boomer, you got us there. But don't forget who runs aged care. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 You kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? 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 You've got to be fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me?